have I got a story for you. There can only be one reason for someone to sell all their shit, hop into a car, and just figure out life on the road for three years. Straight nomadic. Only one reason, and I'm sure, dear, sweet, enlightened listener, you've already figured it out. A man. It's always a fucking man. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Andre, Psyche.com. Speaking of men who'll make you go full nomadic, Andre Psyche is that cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merchandise you had no idea existed because Jeff Bezos doesn't want you to enjoy the pleasures of his creative mind. Andre's, that is, not Bezos. Bezos is just an evil genius. What will you find? When you peruse the plethora of potential purchases, let's talk about it. Literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, yes, music, and videos. Some dope-ass, highly produced, super quality music videos, poetry, podcasts, or any custom gift that your soul desires because Andre is a freelance creator extraordinaire. Go to andrepsyche.com and see what speaks to you. Because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on andrepsyche.com. We're also brought to you by us, the Getting to Know You Pod. Do us a favor. We need and appreciate your support. So take a moment right now and push the subscribe button, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. While you're at it, you can rate and review the pod. Those five stars are ever so helpful. And you can support us monetarily on our Patreon or Patreon. All you need to do is search getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod, all one word, to become a subscriber. Want to do more? Friend, follow. Is there anything else to do when you click on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? I think it is just friending and following, right? Am I forgetting something? Yeah, friending and following. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter again. It's getting the number two. No, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded in almost every state in America. I think we're up to 46 at this point. So if you're looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, as long as it's appropriate and consensual, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. On today's show, we are getting to know Anne. Anne, who is coming to us from Scottsdale, Arizona, and has bid on a like podcast guest binge of sorts. I like Facebook stalked you for a little bit. We'll call we'll call it that, yeah. <laughs> and it seemed like you were like podcasting podcast pod 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 pod. Well thank I you. I mean I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> 
right? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, well, thank you for finding time to come on mine. I appreciate it, man. Of course. Um, so we might as well actually start there. What's up with this um, podcast guest binging? Um, I have a story to tell, right? So I'm like, when you have a story to tell, when you want to talk about yourself, and, and not it's not just about talking about myself. It's really, I really love helping to impact the lives of other people through my own story and everything that I've learned along the way. And your story as an emoji would be? Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the like laughing, crying face. <laughs> it's funny. I feel like they, that's life, right? They don't have that as an emoji, do you? You know, like the, the, um, what is the theater one where it's like the happy mask and then the, the sad mask. Yeah. But they need an emoji that like split right down the middle is like the super tears and then the super smile. You're, you're pretty kinda, much. Cause that's life. Right. Dad, I'm yeah. About that. Oh man. Um, so how, how many times have you told this story? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, well, cause the thing is I tell my story to like random people who I meet. I mean, not just like, I don't just offer it to people they have to ask, but I, <laughs> I've lived a nomadic life for the last three years. And so that in and of itself kind of prompts storytelling, you know, cause you meet someone like at the grocery store or whatever. And, and a lot of times people ask like, are you from around here? Mm. And when I was traveling full time, it was like, no, I live a nomadic life. And then they would ask, you know, what does that mean? What do you do for work? How long have you been doing? It was like all the questions. And so I've told pieces of my story you know, Scared. I don't know, uh, multiple times. And who knows, like, which piece will come out today, you right? know, based on whatever questions you ask. Yeah, God, no pressure on me. No pressure. Wow, way, to, way to flip <laughs> it. I was trying to make you feel like you had to be the interesting one. And now it's like, no, 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 dude. There is a right question. <laughs> See, I'm also a podcaster. So I'm like, I get to just sit back and answer questions and tell my story. Like you get to, you get to lead the conversation. <laughs> Well, I got to go to the, um, immediately my mind goes to what causes you to go nomadic, which I'm sure you've answered. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever my goal to like be the guy that asks the question never asked, but sometimes I'm like, I feel bad asking questions. I know people have already answered about their stories. That's okay. Cause you don't know my story. Yeah. Right. I guess that's it. And I guess it's just kind of interesting because there are really like four or five kind of basic and this is like stupid philosophical right but like nothing new under the sun there are just kind of some basic plain questions that people almost expect like you want that pattern of a story right you start with right. the origin and then there must be some conflict and then there were some good times <laughs> right and then there's a challenge and then there's some doubt and then you hit the climax and then you're like yep i'm done resolution and it wraps up and you're like there it's funny the more people i talk to how that plot line that arc that story arc is kind of similar in human, in humans, no matter where they're from, man. It's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, all that, all that to say in a very wordy way, um, what made you become a nomad? Um, so I was living in Chicago at the time and I had ended a relationship semi-recently, you know, like to the point when I decided to become a nomad and the relationship had ended. He had moved out. I kind of hit rock bottom in the like, Oh my God, what am I doing with my life? I I was realizing at the end of that relationship that a lot of the patterns that showed up in that relationship were patterns I had seen over and over and over again. And so I finally looked at 
what part of me continues to create the same shit over and over and over again? And what am I going to do to not create this in the future? And I had a moment where I was sitting on my couch in my living room, realizing that I had built a life that I didn't want. I had been married before that relationship and was divorced. I had, you know, another failed relationship under my belt. Um, I was living in Chicago, but wasn't really that happy. I realized I didn't want kids anymore. It was just like everything that I had worked so hard to create in my life. I was like, I was creating the wrong life. I was creating my life based off of someone else's vision, someone else's expectations. And so I finally had kind of a come to Jesus moment with myself. And I was like, what do I want? I want freedom and travel. Okay. But at the same time that that was happening, I got this intuitive hit, which I call the whisper of my soul that was ultimately like, what would happen if you sold all your shit and hit the road? And I was like, I don't know. I've never done that before. And so it seemed like a really crazy idea because I didn't even have a car at the time. I have two cats and I didn't think my business was stable enough. So like it logically made no sense. And so most people would be like, I'll wait, I'll save money. I'll get a car. I'll do all the, I'll take all the logical steps. And, um, that wasn't me. So I was like, let's do it. (laughs) Let's see what happens. And so I just started to take the next step and the next step of the next step. And I sold everything in my two bedroom apartment pretty much, except for two Rubbermaid tubs full of stuff and a cedar chest and um, stored that at my dad's house. And I rented a car from Chicago to Mississippi to stay with a friend. My intention was to stay there for three weeks. I stayed for eight months because my business hit rock bottom. And, um, and then when I left Mississippi in April of 2018, that was when I really went like full fledged out on the road full time. But yeah, it was, it was kind of a series of events that led to that. What was the, uh, business? Um, so I've been a coach for the last six and a half years. Um, so it was health and wellness coaching. Then it turned into spiritual mindset coaching. Now I still do a little bit of mentorship when it comes to mentoring new authors, but basically coaching. Gotcha. And like, there's enough of a market out there to live in Chicago. Like I, I picture I'm in Southern Delaware. It's fairly cheap to live down here. I think of cities and I'm like, I don't understand how people earn enough money to have any sort of dis- discretionary income between rent, yeah. parking, just day-to-day lives. Like there's enough of a market with coaching and health and wellness to like make a decent living, huh? Well, it was, I did everything online. So it really didn't matter where I was. Um, I actually have like always struggled to get clients, which is really interesting. Cause I, like, I know that I'm really good at what I do. I know that I'm a good coach. I know that I'm a good mentor. My background is an early childhood education. I'm a teacher, like at my core, I'm a teacher. So ultimately anything I've done in my life, I can teach someone how to do the same thing. Um, but for whatever reason, it was really a struggle for me to get clients. And I've learned over the years that coaching is not really my primary thing. I'm really an author and a speaker. And um, and so what I've learned along the way is that when doors keep closing and shit feels really hard, <laughs> pivot. Because there's typically reason. something else that you really want to be doing. That Because it, it seems, again, it was like that logical thing of like, I'm really good at coaching. I'm really good at, at mentorship. A lot of my educational background makes sense as far as how it informs what I do, but I really love writing and I really love telling my story. And I felt like I can make a larger impact in the lives of other people. If I show up and tell my story publicly versus working with someone one-on-one. Hmm. Okay. Huh. I, it, it's funny when you talk about the 
I always say, and that's something too. I don't know if you've noticed this also, but like when you are constantly talking to people, and I think you might be the 90th guest I've had on the pod, I you notice things about you when you're editing, as far as me as a speaker. And I yeah. have this weird thing of always like transitioning with, you know, it's funny. And someone could tell like the deepest thing or like the most dramatic thing about their life. I'm like, funny that you mentioned that. And then you're like, no, you dick. It's not funny. Like just transition. Well, it's it's or, funny that you say that. <laughs> no, but it is because when my thing is, it's interesting. And I'm like that, it actually may not be interesting at all. But like, that's just, I say, you know, what's interesting is, and it may be like the least interesting thing I say. <laughs> I was about to say, I need to say, start saying you know what's interesting about that instead of funny? I was literally about whatever that is grammatically, I clearly need to get a better, is it superlative? I don't know. But um, the, the teaching aspect is is interesting to me because I'm also a teacher. And it's one of those conversations that you have with people who are like true teachers and in the teaching profession is it's, it's not like you become a teacher. It's almost like you're kind of born because for whatever personality trait you want to help people. You want to help them understand things. You want to try yep. to better. You need to serve to feel good. It, yep. It's, you know, I started as a business major and I noticed that about me real quick. I'm like, dude, I just can't pick these numbers over people. And yep. um, it, so that's why it's interesting that you're saying that to me and then going with the coach and wellness and the author and all that, you could totally see that blending into happiness if that's your personality, you know, yep. fulfillment. Yep. And I did have someone ask me when I was in Chicago, I did a lot of like, you know, free mindset calls, just getting people on the phone. And, and she asked me like, cause at that point I was branding myself as just a life coach. And she was like, how did you decide on life coaching? And I'm like, well, I'm a teacher. So yeah, I can right. teach anyone to do. And because of my background in early childhood, you know, when you, Baby when sex. you're working with kindergartners and first graders, you have to take abstract concepts and make it really tangible for them, you know? So that's another thing. It's like, I can break things down. Like I can take the world of spirituality, for instance, and make it extremely tangible and applicable because that's just kind of how my mind works. Yeah. Funny you bring up spirituality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because when you had said something about the doors closing, that's always, and it actually goes back to this you need a job, you need a salary, you need children, you need a husband, you need to be fulfilled. Where, where's your SUV, right? Like how are your, whatever, Ugg boots or whatever's hot now, right? And I always blame (laughs) that on marketing because you really wonder how much you get influenced by just advertising and marketing. The spirituality part to me is when the doors are closing, my initial gut reaction is if you want to break the door down, you need to try harder, you need to go. (laughs) And then when you... Then all of a sudden I flash back to five minutes ago where you were like, you know, I had this life that I was going for, but it wasn't fulfilling. It made me think about myself like, is that the right mentality or does the mentality that you have, regardless of, oh, the doors are there, I should pivot or doors are there, let me break down. As long as you're feeling, is it good? It's like the spirituality universe connectivity of are you on the right path? Is the world trying God, Jesus, the earth trying to tell me something? Do I force right. through to be like competitive or do I pivot so I'm not stupid and banging, right? So and- that's a tough one because I, I've i done I've gone at it from all angles. I've approached it from all angles, right? And, and I'm an Aries, so I'm naturally like really hard-headed and stubborn and I'm a leader and I want to be the best, <laughs> like all of these things, right? And 
and and I have been taught in my family, but it's also in our society that if you just work harder, then you'll achieve all of the goals. And I got really frustrated because I was like, I like taking action and working is not my problem. I could work 12 hours a day, especially at something I'm passionate about. Yeah, right. And, you know, you know right? it's, it's like taking action and doing the work is not my problem. I'm not lazy. So why isn't shit working? And what, and what really pissed me off was that I was hiring a bunch of coaches too, where they were teaching me to do things a certain way. And I was doing what they were telling me to do. And I still wasn't seeing results. I'm like, if I'm doing what you're telling me to do, and I'm working on my mindset, and I'm doing, I'm literally doing everything that you're teaching me to do and it's not working. So why is it not working? And, um, I think a big piece of it for me was, like I said, really, I needed to take ownership of the fact that I really wanted to be an author. I really wanted to be a speaker and I don't know exactly where the mentorship piece plays into it all. Although I do have services available, but (laughs) I, but, but I've always said, like, I don't believe that I find my clients. I believe they find me because I don't know who needs my help. I can't like, I'm not going to sell someone into my services because they have to make that decision. Um, I will say that the things that have succeeded the most have felt the easiest to me. Writing a book, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to write a book, to edit a book, to publish a book, to market a book, but it is the easiest thing I've ever done. Getting on podcasts, who knew? It was like all of a sudden, I mean, like my inbox is flooded and it's, I just, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. And so I feel like there's kind of a balance. Yes, you have to put in the work. You have to take the action. It, when when I get an intuitive hit to do something, like to join podcast groups, I had to take that action to join the groups, network with people. But aside from that, people have shown interest in me and in my story, and I've gotten booked on podcasts. And so I think I just think it's a mix of the two. Yeah. Was it hard for you? And it's not, I guess, necessarily admitting defeat, but most people, if you, me, if I have that goal and I don't hit that goal, I get really pissed off and yeah. it's, it's hard for me to pivot. And I don't know if that's a cut your losses thing, you know, like dead weight, a sunk cost, but it's very hard. Cause I feel like I'm quitting or punking out exactly what you said about work harder mentality. Um, yep. did, was that hard for you to deal with, with the coaching and trying to pivot more to the authorship or you just knew like, Hey, it's not for me. I can let it go. It is hard for me because it's hard for me to release something I know I'm good at, right? right? So it's like, I know I'm good at it and I know people need it. And it's kind of like, so as a teacher, right? When, what grade do you teach? Uh, Middle school. So I'm in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Okay. So when I was a kindergarten, first grade teacher, I knew that I was a really good teacher. I saw the progress that, that my kids made and I knew who they were going to. And I had a really hard time passing my kids along because there was no guarantee that the next teacher was going to love them as much as I loved them or would be as patient as I was. Right. So I feel the same way about clients. It's hard for me knowing what's out there in the coaching industry. Not all coaches coach from a place of integrity. And so that's kind of my internal struggle of it's kind of the whole, like, I want to save the world, right? Like I want to help everyone. Um, but as far as actually allowing myself to pivot, I love writing. And so it, to shift to something that I'm really passionate about. And again, it's super easy for me. That wasn't really that hard. What's been hardest for me is 
family members who can't see my vision, who can't feel my passion, who don't know what I know internally, and they don't understand why certain things aren't paying off right away. But I know I'm like, it's, I'm so close. I'm so close to like something big happening, but I, I don't have any control over the timing. It's going to happen right. whenever it happens, you know? Um, Is it just because you're now like going off the cuff? Like you're not a professional, you're not an accountant, you're not in a teacher. Is that like you, you, you have no future. Where's your pension kind of a thing that the family's going yeah. from? And it's like, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for six and a half years, so this is not new for me. And I've been full time for like five and a half years. But I think the fact that it hasn't, it hasn't picked up in the way that it sometimes picks up for other people. I really believe that timing is everything. And I really believe that we don't always get to choose when things happen. You know, like you can, and you can follow the intuitive hits, you can take the action, you can do all the things. But at the end of the day, um, sometimes there is, timing involved that we can't see that's the spirituality piece yeah well it's always weird and i i forget i heard the word listening to a podcast about um sick it b- about billions so billions is a show on showtime have you seen it okay no okay yeah i watch way too much tv man i'd be an entrepreneur <laughs> if i fucking binged less but they dropped this word and i loved it because the whole show is based around characters trying to control the most minute aspects and details in order to make things occur within a certain timeline. And it's hubris. And I was like, Fuck yeah. what hubris. And then you start to think about how many people regardless. And these are like billions is about billionaires and people in very influential positions, stock market traders, like district attorneys. I'm like, I'm a middle school teacher and I feel like I have hubris. I feel like I control all types of shit. And like, do I? Right. <laughs> and it's weird <laughs> when people set these timelines of, six months, man, or I'm a, I'm gonna put two books out and those two books are going to be, and you, you decide these markers, these goalposts, but like, why, why the number two, why a hundred podcasts, right? Why, like, why do you think that's the number? Why do you think you have control that that's your make or break day? It's, it's always been interesting to me to kind of reflect on that. And I can't come up with a, with a why. You know, it's like, oh, right. a number pops in your head. You're like, yep, that feels good. All right. That is the one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, who the fuck are you to say that? Like, who are you? It's not a, it's not a recipe. You're not baking cookies, man. Like 10 minutes. Okay. 10 minutes at 425. I got half a million followers or I got like a million bucks. Right. Like it doesn't work that but way. But even with, even with the 10 minutes, it depends on the oven. Right. right. So the thing is, it's still not a straight up 10 minutes. And that's where it's like, I mean, there's always going to be variables. And that's where I have a problem with people who teach duplication or like the five-step process to make six figures or the five-step process. Like, no, because you're, you're not factoring in thoughts and feelings. Right. And, And so again, from a spiritual perspective, from a manifestation perspective, the way that you create that the way that things are created is thoughts, feelings, and an action. So your thoughts and your feelings inform the action that you take. So two people could take the exact same action, but you don't know their level of consciousness. You don't know the thoughts and the feelings that are backing up that action, which is why two people taking the same action will, will get different results. That's so true. And those fuckers out there with that duplication or five-step process, they're just using you. They're just, they're just yeah. shearing the wool right off of you sheep in order to make yeah. themselves a cozier bed. Yep. Um, I, I've never, I understand reading books about people who have done things about like their lives and learning about their stories. 
I've never had the desire to read. These are the steps, like the, the way, you know, like I, it's cause it's so different for every, everyone, every people who live in the same town deal with different things. Imagine yep. the same, not even the same state or the same region or the same country. You know, it's just too many variables to say there is one path. Um, right. And I mean, and I have a, like, I have a process that I take my clients through and you could say it's a three, a three step or three phase process, but it still varies based off because what I, the, what I take my clients through is ultimately getting them to a space where they're so aligned with themselves that they know how to trust themselves. So it's connecting themselves on a body, mind, and soul level so that they can hear their intuition, so that they can feel in their body what feels right and authentic. I'm ultimately teaching people how to empower themselves. When you're getting a five-step process, you're not getting empowered. You're basically, you're just duplicating what someone else has done and it may not work for you. It's funny how it's really hard for a lot of people to trust intuitions. Um, Yeah. So just- Because we're not taught to. Well, it's- as a context, um, I was at school today. There's a custodian, and he's attempting to be a paraprofessional. So he has to take a paraprofessional test, which is a standardized test. You read a question. You have to prove you can write basic math, basic reading. The dude has so much anxiety. He's like triple guessing himself on every option because, you know, there's four options on these standardized tests. And right, right. I, so I take it, and I'm like – or I don't take it. He shows me a practice test, and um, I go with him, and I'm like – well, which one did you think was right? He was like, well, I really think it's A, but it could be B and it could be C and it could be D. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go to B. And instead of trying to argue, we feel one is right. How about we mm-hmm. look at the others and instead of trying to make them right, why don't we look at them and say, is it wrong? He was like, what? I'm like, well, look at the wording right here. Do you see how this says like the teacher spoke? Now, if we go back, was there anything of the teacher? No, but it did say first day of school. So that's why I thought it was right. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was about the first day of school. However, is the teacher involved? No. I said, look what's wrong. I said, dude, trust your instincts because yep. it's not that difficult, man. You you can read. <laughs> trust your instincts. <laughs> and then when you're second guessing yourself, focus on like, why is this not right? Right? Like why, almost like what you're saying with the door. Why did the door keep closing? Maybe I shouldn't yep. focus on going through the door or what, maybe, maybe there's a better door. Maybe this could be the, maybe right. it's a window. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this door opens. Maybe I push instead of pull, right? Like instead of doing that, maybe you just accept it and you go, fuck man, it's closed. It's locked. Like, yeah. cool, pivot. It's okay that it's locked. And yep. it's hard for people. And I don't know why it does seem very hard for people to trust that. Like you have a gut, you have a conscious, you have an intuition for a reason. Right. And a lot of people don't want to just be like, all right, yeah, I, I keep having this desire. Let me roll with it. So glad you brought this up because in our society, (laughs) we're not taught that, right? We are taught in our society that our power is outside of us. So it's why I believe it's why. So for instance, I was severely codependent. It's what really sabotaged the last relationship because I, I outsource all of my happiness to my partner, which doesn't work by the way, guys. Um, so that was severely codependent. I was an alcoholic. Um, you know, we, we, start to feel this void within us and we see all of this marketing outside of us that tells us, you know, when we have the, the husband or wife, when we have the kids, when we have the house, when we have the car, when we have a certain job, um, if we drink a certain, you know, type of drink, if we eat a certain type of food, if we White live somewhere, like, 
It's everything, Dude, right? And, and, well, so, and I just want to emphasize, it's it's funny because it's not even marketing now, just marketing. The the social media impact oh, it's and everywhere. the depression that goes with it of yep. people who are your friends living better than you and you perceive this, man, it fucking eats people up. It really is. It's so it's terrible. not just the commercial or the show. It's your whole society. Like you can't get away from... Right. filters right from, from right filtered images from edited right. images it's fucked up it is and yeah and and all of your you know all of your validation then exists outside of you right it exists in comments it exists in likes it exists it exists in everything and so when I was in that space of like, you know, my relationship was falling apart and I was working with a coach at the time and he was like, until you take control of your own happiness, you will never be happy. And I was like, what the fuck? And, um, and he tried to help me just think of like, what are things that you enjoy doing that don't require and don't, you know, don't involve your partner? And I was like, I don't know. Like I was so codependent and it's not like I didn't have interests. I had lots of interests, but I was like, what the fuck is the point of being in a relationship? Like if I'm not going to do things with my partner or if I'm happy doing things without my partner, then what's the point? And he was like, the point is for you to actually give to the relationship. So the two complete people Mm. are showing up to a relationship. And it was like, mind-blowing to me because it's just not how I was raised you know it was like I've, I was raised with models of codependency and um and so I started really tapping into I started playing music again I started really enjoying cooking I was you know going out for walks and sitting under trees and just doing whatever I could that and I realized in those moments I was like I'm really connecting to myself I was really experiencing a lot of joy so um yeah, it's, it's a lot of just being told that our happiness is somewhere outside of us. And that if we're feeling incomplete, then we need to look outside of ourselves for that happiness. And so people pleasers then end up asking other people for their opinion, right? Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And we can't make any decisions because we're so concerned about what other people think. And so as long as we outsource our love, acceptance, and validation, we will we'll never be able to trust ourselves. And so that's, I mean, that's ultimately the journey that I went on was just continuously bringing it back home to myself. And I finally got to the point where I was like, I really don't care what other people think anymore because I trust myself so deeply that um, other people's opinions, I hear them and, and I honor that those are their opinions, but I have to do what's right for me. Yeah. And it, it's also something, um, and I have a, she's about to be 11, but she might as well about to be 22 with her young <laughs> ass. My daughter, um, fucking growing up, but I, I tell her that I'm like, you know, it's okay to act like you. And if they don't like you, do you want to not be you just to have people around you? And that's always been something very weird to me. And I guess I'm like anti people will be like, Hey man, you're a little antisocial. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm exactly antisocial, but like, I'm not, I don't know if I, I'm courteous, I'm polite. I, I, I like if two people, if you and I were speaking and a third person were to walk in, I would literally, whatever you just said, or I just said, I would like mention it to them. Hey man, we're talking about codependency right now. Why don't you open up about your codependent relationships? You know, like I would say that shit. I try to crack a joke. I try to make you comfortable. Right. Yeah, but at the yeah. same time, like if I annoy you, I'm like, all right, fuck, man, we don't have to talk. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, I, I can't, I don't mean to annoy you. I'll apologize if I annoy you or piss you off, right? Like, I'm not a, I don't intentionally be mean to be rude. 
right, I'm trying right. probably to be funny, right? But if you take it as rude and my personality, you hate it, like, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to enjoy my time with you if I can't be me around you. And yep. that's another weird thing that, and I don't mean to call people weird who are feeling that way, but it's it, it's weird to me in the sense that I don't know if I've, I don't know what happened in my life that made me realize that, but I feel like I've always kind of realized that like, all right, man, fuck, you ain't trying to be around, you ain't around, whatever. It's not like, no, I can change. I can curse less. I can... <laughs> quiet during the movie i don't have to make comments you know like good for you though because i mean it took me a long time to like really fully embrace myself because i had a belief for a really long time that i'm too much you know i'm too much i'm too big i'm too bold i'm too i'm too opinionated i'm too sarcastic i'm too like like, where do you think definitely my family thinks i swear too much (laughs) where did all your twos come from I think they came from family, to be quite honest. I grew up with two older brothers, and I'm the only girl. I'm the baby. Um, I was actually, as a child, I was very shy and timid and uh, didn't speak up. Like, I I took piano lessons and violin lessons, but specifically when I took piano lessons, I was so painfully shy as a child that my piano teacher would ask me a question, and I wouldn't even answer her. I would look at my mom to answer for me because I was terrified. I don't even know like where the fear came from. I was just really, really shy. And then, you know, as a teenager, I really became a lot bigger and bolder. And I always had like like all of my friends were extroverts, but I was really an introvert as a child. And so I I had these friends who were like really big and bold. And I think that to an extent. I picked those friends because I liked being around that energy, but I didn't necessarily have to embody it, you know? Right. And then as a teenager, I began to really express myself. And, you know, as teenagers, like, I mean, we're difficult. We're difficult as teenagers, you know? And right. I, we push boundaries and all that. But, um, and so for, you know, I was, I was definitely punished for who I was. And so I kind of learned that it just wasn't okay to be who I was. I don't think that, you don't sit here and blame my my parents or my family. It's just like it, it is what it is. Fred but um, that's the belief that I took on. You know, I don't think I definitely don't think it was intentional. But as children, that we we create stories based off of life. You know. Yeah, dude. I had um this one lady on Emmy, the smartest fucking. She was like a Doogie Hauser type PhD. It, it was it was in fucking insane. Like went to college at fourteen type shit. Oh my God. And um, she referred to herself as a Skinnerian. And she said, Sean, I'm going to tell you something. You have never made a decision in your life. And I'm like, what do you, what? She says, you haven't. Every decision you have made has been trained in you based on someone else's reaction to your decision. Yeah. It is dictated. You have no free will. There is no free will. And I'm like, fucking stop, man. She was like, <laughs> even that response. You've been conditioned to respond in that way when your thoughts are challenged. And like she got, she can do it way better than I can because it's what she studies and like she was a college professor about it. But it goes to kind of what you're saying and it made me think about this. How many people try to mold or fit, cast the personality they want on people around them, children's? significant others, parents, like whoever, right? Coworkers, where you're trying to mold them into what you feel a good blank should be instead of embracing them. And then you're actually wound up like causing a lot of conflict in people because then people sit there and question like, wait, I thought I was okay, but this person is telling me I'm not okay. Why 
why? You know, and it, it adds strife, man. It adds fucking anxiety to a lot of people. Yeah. And so the reason that happens <laughs> is because the reason we try to change people around us is because it makes us feel uncomfortable, right? So um, and a, a line that I came up with, and it's it's in my book, but it, it kept coming up while I was doing my own personal growth healing was where you're triggered is where the work is. So I started looking at what is happening externally that is triggering a feeling within me. And when a feeling would arise that was really uncomfortable, I would look at what is the story. So if I'm feeling anger, if I'm feeling frustration, if, I fe- if I'm feeling sadness, what am I thinking? What story am I telling myself that's creating that feeling? And then I had to kind of look at like, where is that coming from? And so we, we notice this a lot in relationships. Like our partner is a great mirror for all of our wounds that haven't been healed. <laughs> And so when we look at why is my partner triggering me or why is my mother triggering me or why is my brother triggering me? Like, where is that coming from? Once you start taking personal responsibility for how you feel, you don't take responsibility for how someone else is acting, but if it's triggering an uncomfortable feeling within you, there's, there's an unhealed wound there to be looked at. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? I'm trying now I'm trying to think of when people come in, what, triggers me and then what that says about me but it, this podcast isn't about me so i shouldn't think that way <laughs> it's, it's where my mind because i'm like dude like shit annoys you right and like so it's like does it annoy you because it's annoying or does it annoy you because you have an unresolved issue that you have not dealt with and i'm like huh. well, i think it i think it's also about like because some people are just it, fucking annoying i'm sorry some people are just annoying like straight up some people are annoying but it's like if someone is being, is, is annoying, right. You have, you still have choices. You can either be like, I choose not to be around that person. Cause I just, I just don't like how they act. Right. Or it could be, well, they're acting in a really unique way. Good for them. Good for them <laughs> for being so comfortable and authentic in who they are. So you could come to a place of acceptance or if it's really triggering you, a lot of times the behaviors and other people trigger us because they're pieces of ourselves that we haven't fully accepted right so like if someone is really opinionated and you're like oh man that motherfucker's so opinionated it's probably because you're also really opinionated or if someone's really stubborn and you're like oh it's probably because you're stubborn as well so like i have i have people in my life where i'm like oh it's so infuriating because it's exactly how i am (laughs) man that's that's a real interesting i don't know man it's a weird it makes me want to be in the movie Inception and just have someone like go into your head and just to be like, nah, man, this is the fucking thought, right? Like this is the moment, <laughs> right? You know, like they go in there with a GoPro, they spelunk through your ear, <laughs> they go in with the GoPro, <laughs> they dig all the way down to the deep gray matter. And they're like, hey man, this is the why and this is the why. Because I really wonder... And it's funny, like I, I enjoy getting philosophical, but I also enjoy hearing like what people have been through. But I since I guess we're getting philosophical, like, I mean, that's just, that's the direction we're headed. So, you know, like, can you self-realize that or can some shit just not be self-realized? You know, like you could repress it so much. It could be so deep where you're like, man, I'm not fucking getting into it. And then it just stays unresolved. Or if you could just have Leo jump in there, grab it, pull it out. (laughs) You're like, you know, that then it's like, oh, now I can work on it. You know, or is that? Yeah, I do. No, I do. Because so 
my journey has been a lot of sitting alone thinking about myself. (laughs) And you can easily go down a rabbit hole and like get lost there for a very long time. So you have to be mindful, right? And so for me, it's like if I go down a rabbit hole looking for what are all the things within me that I can fix, then your your ego is always going to find things to fix. And then you end up not really doing the thing that you came here to do, like whatever your calling or purpose is, right? Um, but sometimes it's like I, I think of myself as, and the mind specifically, as kind of like a machine that you take apart. I like to know how things work. Because again, from a teacher's perspective, If I understand how things work and I can kind of see how it all goes together, then I can teach someone how they work, (laughs) you know, and then I can explain it. So I feel like I have kind of um, unintentionally deconstructed my life multiple times because I'm like, how does the shit get built back? Then I can teach it to someone else. (laughs) So I've been down that rabbit hole a few times. That's, I'm curious because you had said married, divorce, relationship, and the third relationship, I believe, if I was listening and taking notes right, um, was the one that spurred the nomadic lifestyle. Second relationship. So married and divorced, and then the second relationship, gotcha. and I haven't, I've been single for the last four years. So I'm curious, were you battling these like self-realizing thoughts throughout or did it come as like a revelation? Because when that within that second relationship, you were like, I'm just going to fucking try something. I'm going to get all woo woo with it. And <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm going to get into astrology. I'm going to fucking find some twin flames. I'm going to do some shit that gets me vertigo on a spiritual level. I do think he was my twin flame. I didn't know it until, cause here's the thing. So I had always been, I had been liberal. I had been atheist and I, I was dating liberal atheists. And somehow I ended up dating a conservative Christian. I was like, what the hell the fuck did that happen? And so- yeah, that always had, you're honestly like the fourth person. And that that's why like, and I did not grow up. I know nothing about this woo woo twin flame shattered like alternating spirits and like circles all all these weird things i've just learned speaking with people you're yeah. like the i had a tarot reader on here who was a fucking like church wife for a little bit and she, now she reads like tarot cards you know and does all sorts of spiritual shit that would be like devilistic and she was right, like right. she had that realization she was like the fuck am i doing going to church on a sunday where all these people hate me like how how did i ever get to the point where i thought Tara was her no. Oh, I'm gonna forget her name. Oh, she had such a cool name too. I apologize if she ever listens again. But like <laughs> it, it she just had the realization of like, why am I trying to please these people? But it's weird so it's odd that almost like opposites attract kind of a thing where you're going in like one spiritual direction or you're feeling one philos- philosophy, but then somehow you actually get with the opposite of it and expect it to work. <laughs> well, and the thing is it actually would have worked if if I didn't have so much to heal cuz he was a very patient man. Like he was a very loving, understanding, patient man and he was very supportive of my healing journey, but I was just I just kept having like these ego spirals where I was just constantly lashing out and saying shitty things and I was in so much pain and I didn't know how to love myself and I expected it to come from him and it was just I, and I say in my book, like we kind of, 
didn't understand what was going to be involved in unpacking, I was 34 at the time, unpacking 34 years worth of pain, wounds, limiting beliefs. Like it, I equate it to the closet that you shove all your shit in, right? You're like, I don't know where this goes. I'm just going to shove it in a closet. And then at some point the closet is full and you have no choice, but to take it all out and to look at what am I going to keep? What am I going to get rid of? What am I going to donate? And there's no other way to, to do it than to pull it all out and look at it. And it looks terrible. It looks like fucking chaos. Right. And so yeah. that's kind of what it felt like. Um, but I don't remember what the original question was. But I, I don't know <laughs> if there are any original questions, to be honest with you. Um, I'm curious though, if we go with that, like unpacking stuff, what were one or two of the first things where you're clean M&M style cleaning out your closet and <laughs> you're um, discovering like, oh, wow, I can't believe blank. Like, I, I don't know what it would be to be on. Like, I'm trying to think about like what my, what I would take out of my closet in a way to be empathetic, to help you not feel vulnerable, <laughs> I think is why I'm trying to, but I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know if I have a tangible, oh, this shoe box is regrets and I'm lashing out at my partner because of regrets. So were there a couple of things that surprised you that you found in your closet? Yes. In my closet, Sean, I had, (laughs) (laughs) I had a belief, um, that was, I'm difficult to love and easy to leave. And I didn't know that I believed that. And so what I started, where I started to really make the connection was I don't, and I don't remember exactly how that came up. It just, I remember reflecting oh, I think we were talking about the the mechanics and figuring like going down the rabbit hole right so I'd gone mm-hmm. down that rabbit hole of what am I thinking and it was I'm difficult to love and easy to leave and I started to look at how my external world wasn't reflecting that belief back to me so I believed that I was difficult to love and easy to leave but my partner was telling me how amazing I was and him telling me how amazing I was didn't match what I believed to be true about myself. And so, so when I'm, those I'm, realities, what? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Cause you were probably, okay. you probably anticipated my question and we're about to explain it and I'm being rude and I don't mean to be. Um, You're good. Maybe, maybe that's my package of just <laughs> being rude. <laughs> Difficult to listen, easy to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> But what I was, what I'm curious about, because I think that does happen often and no one will see this because it's just audio, but you were putting your hands together as in the conflict. Why is it so hard to believe? Is it like a trust issue? Do you feel like this person is lying or manipulating when they're telling you the opposite of what you feel? Why not just be like a child and say, mommy said Santa is real. Santa is real. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like how come? And I feel like that's fairly common with people where they have that feeling they get what should be positive reinforcement, but it's actually a negative thing to them. Because what we experience externally, if we experience externally, if it doesn't match what we believe to be true about ourselves internally, our internal actually creates our external. So if if I believe I'm difficult to love and easy to leave and my external reality isn't reflecting that back to me, then I will sabotage what I will do. I will take action. I will do whatever I need to do in order for my external to match my internal. And that external to get- 
cannot change that internal belief. You have to come to some sort of internal realization in order to right that ship, to turn that bitch around. The external can actually never make you believe or feel a certain way. So to, to make this super basic, money (laughs) can't make you feel more abundant. You have to feel more abundant first and then you get more money. But money in and of itself is never going to make you feel more abundant. It's why people win the fucking lotto and lose it all. Right. Because they don't, it's our self image. If we don't see ourselves in a certain way, then even if we, so I, I say that I, I manifested my partner in and I manifested him right back out. I called him in. I had, I had journaled out everything that I was looking for in a partner. I was very clear about what I wanted and he was everything that I wanted, but I didn't actually feel I was worthy of that. And so because I didn't feel I was worthy of him, I acted in ways that, that perpetuated that story of I'm difficult to love and I'm easy to leave. So, okay, you think I'm amazing. Let me show you how unamazing I am. I'm going to be really difficult to love and I'm going to be really easy to leave. And the fuck you're not leaving yet. Okay. I'm going to be more difficult to love and I'm going to be easier to, and it, so I kept perpetuating, got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then he, and then we did break up and I was like, see, I am difficult to love and easy to leave. And so I realized then if I don't change that story and really believe it to be true about myself, because you have to believe the story I, I will always self-sabotage and drive partners out of my life. It, I wanted to crack a joke about you in a kiddie pool with like floaties <laughs> and your tears just building you up. I don't know why, because um, I don't even think it's that good of an image, but I love thinking of stupid things. Um, You're like, was, you, know what, well, you know what's funny is I have this I image. So. <laughs> By the way, thanks for opening up about one of the most tri- trying times of your life. Let me say, let me give you a really shitty tattoo idea (laughs) so you can remember it forever. Um, But the reason I guess I was thinking about that is that seems to be like almost an emotional or it's not an emotional rock bottom, like a philosophical rock bottom where you're like, fuck, man, this needs to change. And I guess like the tears, if I'm trying now to justify my terrible image, the tears are floating you above it and changing your position relative to this belief, this base of what you thought should be. And that, I guess that's, is kind of why, because you need to realize like it, it's sad to have to go through something so traumatic to realize a core belief of yours is wrong, but you yep. if it's bad for you, you, you got to come to that realization. It's almost like a drug addict having to hit rock bottom where they're just like, fuck man, this, this these opioids are going to kill me. Like I can't, yep. I can't keep going on like this. And it's, it's true though. Everyone. Like if you want to get really clear on your beliefs, look at your life around you. You will like, look at your life around you. Look at the people you hang out with. Look at the money in your bank account. Look at the job that you have. Look at your health. Look at your relationships. Like look at everything and then be like, huh, what do I believe to be true about myself? Hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be you specifically. No, but right? But no, I think, <laughs> all is for dramatic effect. Listeners. Tune in. Leave it in the comments. <laughs> Forty-seven minute mark. Leave it in the comments. Make it public. Um, yeah, it's funny, man. Like in my mind, I'm like successful, but I feel like I'm successful because I live by the standard of. And again, not to make it about me, but it, it's funny. I, I love, I love the saying of, um, 
like sell low or over deliver, right? So low mm-hmm. expectations or under promise, over deliver, whatever that saying is. But I think I've kind of adopted that even like financially, right? Like I, I'm very financially frugal. Not that I'm cheap. I don't mind spending money on things that I want to spend money on. But I right. I enjoy the mindset of like thinking you're poor even though you're not because that's how you wind up, like you're saying, with abundance, right? You overspend yep. and then you're always fucking broke, man. You're house poor and shit like that. And it's, yep. it, that's always been weird to me when people have all these extra debts and all these extra things. You're like, Why do you have four kayaks, man? You're single. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> right? Because like, I'm, I'm manifesting my three partners. <laughs> do, you need, do you need three pairs of rollerblades? I don't get that. I don't... We, I don't get it. There, there's no pavement around you. It's all gravel. <laughs> Why do you have rollerblades? Um, but people do that all the time. And like they, but I think that goes to what you're saying. Like they go for the image or the feel, or even if I get the rollerblades now, I can be the rollerblader. Blah, blah. But if you were a rollerblader, you would have already had the rollerblades. You would be in the environment that is suitable for rollerblading because that's who you are. There's yep. a reason why you're not because you're not, dude. And it's okay that you're not, right? And I think that that does lead to a happiness is accepting and not wanting to be whatever you're seeing and stuff. But we've said that like 40 times um, <laughs> to make it. But it, it's funny because it is such a simple thing, but so many people seem to have trouble with it, um, trouble accepting it. I'm curious who put that in your closet to try to keep that analogy going. Easy. <laughs> Who put, I really loved where this was going. Who like was it like who's a, been who's been hanging out in your closet, Anne? <laughs> Just throwing their shit. You didn't even realize it wasn't your shit. Your fucking <laughs> Your brother just stored his dirty ass shoes in your closet and you were like, oh, damn, I'm very easy to leave and hard to love. And then then you open the box and you're like, wait, I'm not a size 12. This is this is incorrect. You know, the other reason I'm laughing at this, besides the fact this is hilarious, is because I love how you're like, who put that in your closet? I'm like sitting on a couch. I feel like I should be like lying down and be like, okay, so when I was four. <laughs> well, you wonder like, did you come to a moment? Because if you're sitting, again, you're, you're the lonely lady sitting under a tree thinking about yourself. And I would imagine you start. Why putting, am I single? Because <laughs> you said you were alone by the tree. Right. <laughs> Not... Like, this is why I've been single for the last four years. Because I sit alone under trees thinking about my life. <laughs> and all these people keep throwing change in my coffee. I don't know why. <laughs> it really pisses me the fuck off. But at the same time, I'm able to get more coffee. So it's. Um, but no, I, I guess for me, and I'm probably too much of a problem solver. Like it's very hard for me to enjoy moments. I'm always trying to solve or fix, right? So if I'm mm-hmm. sitting under the tree myself and I'm trying to be like, man, why do I have this issue? In my head, I'm just going to keep going down thoughts and memories till I'm like, origin story. There it is right there. I went through this, I experienced this, and it causes me to feel like people will always leave me and I'm a jackass, right? So I was curious if you had gotten to some sort of similar realization that I think I would get to. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that I think played a factor into it, right? Like, um, my parents were divorced when I was two. So even though like my dad was always around, 
you know, the, the subconscious is formed between the ages of zero to seven. So whatever happens in your life during those years inform beliefs that you have about yourself. And so to a two-year-old, when my parents get divorced, I'm sure that at, on some level, there was a belief of maybe, maybe not at two thinking I'm difficult to love, but I must be easy to leave because dad doesn't live here anymore. You know, it's like those types of things that are really easy. Even though he was still in your life, you still felt that way, huh? Yeah. And then like at one point he almost took um, a job over in Paris. And so he was going to potentially leave the U.S. And, um, you know, he, he dated a decent amount of, of women and, you know, they were kind of in and out. Like, I don't know exactly, you know, the, the specific scenarios. I think it was kind of everything that, that played a part. And then, um, later on in life, I definitely with romantic partnerships, I definitely believe that because I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that belief. And so I was creating scenarios where they weren't putting up with a lot of shit. We would get to an argument, they would leave. And, and then I had one moment, um, in 2009, I was dating a guy and, he went out with a, a friend one night and like, didn't come back for a week for a week. He didn't come back. Wow. And I, that was traumatic. Right. Even though I was an adult, it was traumatic. And then we got back together. Everything was fine. And then I went to work and one day I came home from work and uh, all of his stuff was gone. Like he wasn't living with me, but a lot of his stuff was, you know, we we're staying together a lot. So he was mostly at my place Keeping and I came home and all of his in stuff closet, just keeping all of his shit in your closet. <laughs> Pretty much. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, there were there were definitely things that happened, right? Where I was just like, so okay, much. I must be easy to leave because dudes just fucking peace out. So much there. And it's interesting and maybe a little narcissistic on your part that as a two-year-old, you made it about <laughs> you. I thought, no, like seriously, even though like the two-year-old wouldn't like maybe be aware of this, I actually thought when you said parents divorcing that young, the the example of, Ooh, relationships are easy to leave versus I'm easy to leave. So I was but to a two-year-old, but to a two-year-old, the world revolts. The a exactly. two-year-old is solely in their ego. Exactly. Yep. So it is yeah. very egotistical. And, yeah, and that's why I was kind of saying that. Um, just to be stupid, but try to be smart <laughs> by being stupid. Um, because it is funny how kids take it. But I, you would think, like, if you looked back at it and actually analyzed it, you're it would be like this is what a model relationship is. You get together, you get tired of each other, you peace the fuck out. Right. And like, yep. so it's like, Oh, it's not that they don't love me. It's that just when you get older, you just leave people. Right. <laughs> like, but the kids do take it as that it, it turns into they take it very personally thing. Right. Um, yep. so, and then when you brought up dad dating women and it's like, Oh cool. You just date people and then like, peace out. There is no, like, you, you're just Johnny Appleseed with it, right? You're spreading that. Yeah. You're not trying to, <laughs> you're not trying to stick around for the tree or for the fruit. You're just trying to plant the seed. Um, yeah. But I'm super more interested in during the week, 2009, dudes just fucking <laughs> out. Like, to, I'm trying to think back 2009. I don't even know if there are iPhones. I don't even know what texting and email. Yeah, we got email. Like how there was texting. It was texting with like you had to push the the button so many times yeah, to get the like, letter. Yeah, like, like it wasn't Nokia, but it was. I had a flip phone and I had to push. Yeah, it was very basic texting. Yeah, like if you wanted the word cat, you would push one three times for C. Yep, and then yep. one one time for A, and you had to hit a space yep. in between and all that bullshit. Um, how much are you like trying to get up with this guy, or how much are you just in a bottle at this point? 
looking at the door, fucking waiting for him to walk through. Oh, God. That night that he didn't come home was awful. I didn't sleep. I was definitely an alcoholic at the time. I had been an alcoholic for years. I just, I just kept dating other alcoholics so that my behavior looks normal. Right. Um, but no, he left. He was supposed to come back. I, I was texting him. I think I tried calling him because, you know, I, I then straight went into like, did he get in a car accident? Is he dead on the side of the road somewhere? Is he fucking some woman? Like, is, is he coming? I had no clue. Is she and... fucking his dead body? That <laughs> <laughs> the stories just got weirder and weirder right. and then all of a sudden no, i'm just kidding okay i don't want to and so for the next week he i was texting and he didn't respond it was it was silent for a week and so i was like i don't know like is, is are we done Dude, i mean how- you would kind of assume but there wasn't like the term ghosting wasn't being used yeah, right. in 2009 you know and so yeah, I had no clue. You could just and say then, like I turned my roaming off and I didn't get any of your messages. I left the state. Dude, how many messages? Because you had to just have a thread. I'm sure. I I honestly don't remember. But knowing who I was back then, I had probably gone to crazy town. <laughs> yeah, right. I could. So again, like just the alcohol, and it's funny because society makes fun of like the drunk call or you know like whatever. You're lonely. You're hitting up exes through social media and shit like that right we almost accept the public shame and if you just make fun of yourself and embrace and throw in like i was brown out drunk or whatever like drinking word you want to put in there (laughs) then everybody's like oh dude you're just fucked up it's fine and they don't do it like the emotional thing that caused it to happen but i'm imagining yeah dude if you're drinking heavy at that part you're just fucking every sip you take a sip, you send a text, take a sip, send a text, take a sip, send a text, right? Take a piss while I'm pissing, I'm texting, (laughs) right? So that's kind of what I'm picturing because just your energy and your vibe, if you channel that in that like negative angry way, that's how it's going to manifest itself. It's intense. Yeah. When I'm angry, well, and again, as an Aries, I'm a fire sign. So it's like, and at that point I hadn't healed anything. So I was just like burning shit down, like left and right. You know, it was just like, I will burn bridge after bridge, after bridge, after bridge. Um, so yeah. I, and I'm sure I didn't say kind things, you know, yeah, like right. I'm sure I wasn't like, Hey babe, so when, you know, are you going to come back? I'm sure I was like, you fucking asshole, you know, You're who dead. knows, but it was probably not good. <laughs> and then like, I, I don't know, man. So like by day five, so we're not at day seven yet but we're at like day five. Do you get more mad as the days go on or are you starting to let go as the days progress? I, Oh God, I'm trying to think back. Um, I think I was starting to kind of let go. I planned a trip to Chattanooga to visit family. I was like, I just need to get out of Gainesville because I was in Gainesville at the time. And, um, so I planned a trip to kind of take my mind off of it, you know, for, the for like days five, six, seven, because that would have been the weekend, right? Okay. And then I did finally hear from him at some point that weekend. Um, and he was like, Yeah, like why don't you come back and you know, we'll talk about it. And I was like, What the hell? I, I thought he was just gonna break up with me, you oh, know, because so you, you were gone, so you had left Gainesville and then he's yeah. back in Gainesville and he's like, Hey, when you get back, let's talk this out. Yeah, and I was like, What the fuck? But of course, I was just like I was so thrilled that he didn't want to break up with me because I was so codependent, right? That I was just like, yes, I will gladly take you back. And so, yeah. That was not the response. Tell me that was, 
I, t- I totally went back. Yes, I dated him for another couple months. And then that's when I came home from work and all his stuff was gone. Dude, what what was his... Did you have the gumption or did you even want to ask? Dude, where were you for the week? Like, was it a conversation or was it just one of those like, you know, I'm sorry, I was a dick, I was immature. <laughs> and like, you never really fucking know. And then it's like, I don't want to know because it may hurt more. Or did you want like, tell me what she smelled like kind of a thing <laughs> you know he he was at his apartment that i knew he was staying at his apartment because i could drive by and see his van i knew he was there i knew he was in Gaines. like we were both in Gainesville. he just wasn't communicating with me which was really weird because we only lived maybe like two miles from each other got you okay <laughs> it's weird and his apartment was like on my way to work it was really weird um so i knew that he was around but he, he just kind of kept saying like i need space but he couldn't give me any reason for why. And so I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't accept that answer after he had not come home that night. Yeah. So he just needed a week's worth of space and then had a revelation of like, I guess, (laughs) I guess (laughs) what was your, um, what was your job that you had to drive by him for? I was a teacher. Oh, those poor kindergartners. You must've sang the most angry songs that week. (laughs) <laughs> I I'm sure I came in smelling like booze because I was drinking every night. Like I mean, I was drinking at least a bottle of wine every night. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes. I would go in hungover the next day. I wasn't sleeping because yeah. my boyfriend was peacing out. I didn't know where the fuck he was. You know, it was not a not a good time at that time. Those those poor children. But you know, I did the best I could. <laughs> Just every. All the kindergarten teachers that I know, they're just built different. The way that they have to be perky, cheery, hypervigilant, <laughs> dealing with all sorts of just like unimaginable chaotic consequences literally every second of every hour of the day, right? And yep. then you get a lunch, you get like a recess break, and it's just fucking pandemonium. Like people have a hard time dealing with four kids in your house. If you got like 20, right? I yeah. mean, it's just, it's insane. So I can't imagine the mentality of having to come in with your state of mind and deal with that for a week. Um, this fucking guy. Does this guy yeah, realize? I'm, I'm kind of a mental warrior. Did, did he realize that he's the reason there's an achievement gap in Gainesville because of what he put you through? Does, does he realize that there's some like well, what would that be 11 there's a senior right now that has phonetic issues because he fucking needed space i hope he feels good about himself that some so, children lesson, lesson to all men don't be that dude at least not to a kindergarten teacher it's fucking formative years man there are kids out there are high school seniors who don't know basic colors and shapes all because Oh, that asshole. No, just kidding. This guy had fucking discovered some free Wi-Fi and was like, you know, it's pretty cool. MySpace and Tinder. Let me try that out for a week. See what happens. Jesus, man. Come on. Dude, I can't. I That's, it's odd to me. It, I, I don't know if I've had a serious relationship with someone like I want to go straight aggro male, like not calling you a side piece, but like side piece realm. And it's, it's, 
it's interesting to me that it would be like, yeah, dude, no, we can make this relationship work after we took a break for a week. You know, how long had you guys been like seeing each other before the week off? Um, five months. Yeah, that's serious enough, right? If you're like yeah. steady seeing someone for five months, man, to just and when you're spending like every night together, you know, it's not like we're going on like a date once a week and we're seeing each other. Like we were hanging out consist every weekend for sure. We were we were planting gardens together, like bucket gardens. He was building me a bike. I mean, like you know, yeah. we were we were creating a life together for sure. Yeah, right. So then that would explain. Maybe it doesn't need to be explained. But that would <laughs> that would be motivation enough to be like, all right, man, we have this history. It was a blip, right? Let's let's see what happens. Yeah. And that kind of shit just repeated, huh? Yeah. Well, it didn't really just repeat, it ended. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't really call it a repeat if you never came back. <laughs> and did you talk to him after that? Like do you did you see him around Gainesville when he grabbed his shit and he No, then he got weird. Then <laughs> I think he was weird beforehand, but <laughs> was it the puppets? You were like, you know what, dude, at first the puppets were really cool and fun. <laughs> but now that I'm thinking back. <laughs> no, he got, he got weird in the fact that I'm trying to remember he wanted, like he wanted money for something. And he started, he started like harassing me about things. And it was, I had to start, I had to end up blocking his number. It was, yeah, it was very bizarre. Very bizarre. You know what he wanted money for. What did he want money for? Don't be like that. <laughs> okay. In case he ever comes across it, we won't publicly, publicly shame him. Though we haven't said his name, so it's not slanderous and we are not liable. Um, that So, like, he packs up his stuff and then he's just sending you messages about, like, hey, man, I need a couple hundred bucks. Hey, I need mm -hmm. some money. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not giving you fucking money. No, you fucking left. How does that even make sense? Like, I, how do you, how do you take all your stuff from someone and then <laughs> like, like, right, essentially dear John them. And then you're like, oh, by the way, can I just have You owe me money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so was it you owe? It wasn't like, I want to borrow. It was like, hey, yeah, man. no, it was like, you owe me money. You owe me money. What'd you, what did he claim you owed him money for? Right. So I mean, I could tell he's not, we bought a, a Wii together, a Nintendo Wii. And because I had, and because I had the Wii, <laughs> he wanted money for half the Wii. And I'm like, you fucking left. You chose to leave the relationship and you also, you took all your stuff and you chose not to take the Wii. So I'm pretty sure I get the Wii now and I don't give you a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> Possession, bitch. Nine tenths of the law. The fuck? <laughs> over a week <laughs> this guy god and you, and you know what's and you know what's sad if i ran into this guy in a bar we'd be best friends <laughs> until he starts telling you the story and you're like wait a minute i've heard this one no, before <laughs> no, until he invites me over to like play this wee that second hand it's like the first edition and then he gets all sad and he's like i used to have a really good one but she won't give it back and i'm like oh brandon who who won't give it back never mind this game's stupid anyway fucking remotes never hold a charge 
and then and then we just play like pog for the rest of the night <laughs> he's like let's play this really cool 80s game i don't know why i don't know why i'm painting this guy in this manner oh my god but you're like now i want to find this guy and have him on the podcast <laughs> oh, fuck that i want him to be my roommate <laughs> Be careful, he might leave with all his stuff and then demand money. No doubt. God, just gotta I keep security deposit separate. <laughs> so then, was that the, that was the one where you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to go full nomad? No, that was, because that was in 2019. So I got, oh. then I was married. I was married from 2020, what year did I get married? 2013 to 2015. I feel like I've lived like five lifetimes in my, in my life. Um, 2013 to 2015, I was married. I got divorced in 2015, met my, my last ex at the end of 2015. And then we dated until the end of 2016. And then I hit the road in 2017. Holy shit. So the, we want to be, we snatcher, then (laughs) marriage, then last one. Yeah. So that's what I said earlier, man. I'm sorry. I always have this complex that I have to be right, but I'm almost positive. I said three relationships. You said three, but I hadn't told you about the wee man before. So I just knew. You just knew. You were were foreshadowing. Putting some pieces together. Maybe Brandon is my roommate. That's how I got a hold of you. He was like, dude, she won't talk to me anymore on Facebook. You've got to get her on. How fucking twisted would that be? <laughs> You're like, Anne, you've just been punked. <laughs> no doubt. It's some like He comes fish. out from, he comes exactly. out from your closet. No <laughs> and he goes right and then all of a sudden he's like, and I know your PayPal password, bitch. <laughs> and then he hangs up. <laughs> God, that would be awesome. awesome. I love the stories we create together. They're fantastic. (laughs) We could have like our own podcast of just stories we create. Just random ass (laughs) stupid stories to deal with traumatic events that are extremely painful. We laugh. Pretty much. We laugh through the pain. Our tears raise (laughs) us up from our rock bottoms. (laughs) Oh man, I don't even know if I want to. God, I feel bad talking about negative things. So, well, I mean, they're not really like super negative, but um, I am interested in how they interlock. Do you see, actually, that's a good question. Let me compliment myself. That's a good question. Do you see them as interlocking or do you see them as separate? Like, do you see the wannabe we snatcher, that event leading to the marriage or having influence on it? Or do you see them as separate? Cause you had said, I feel like I've lived so many lives. So then I'm thinking like, maybe they aren't connected or oh, they're all connected. Yeah. They're all connected. So I just, I've evolved so much that I feel like I've lived different lifetimes because I feel like different, you know, different versions of myself. But so when I was in Gainesville, after that relationship, that relationship, the the wannabe we snatcher was so I was so painful. I, I like that's just because <laughs> it just makes fun of him on so many levels. Like the fact that you couldn't even snatch a wee while you were alone. That's like when the purse snatchers in the cities try to grab it from the eighty year olds and wound up just getting beat down. And you're like, fuck, man, didn't you work out? <laughs> 
didn't you plan for this moment? How much how much more room do you need in your luggage to fit the wig, bitch? <laughs> Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> right. So the wannabe leaf snatcher, um, that wasn't so he so that was 2019 and it was so painful at the time, obviously, that I was like, fuck it, I'm leaving Gainesville. I'm getting out of Gainesville. So I decided to move to Houston because I had a brother who lived there at the time. And while I was preparing to move to Houston, I was like, I'm going to get on a dating site. <laughs> it was like a really great idea. So I got on a dating site to start to, you know, connect with dudes in Houston. And I, so then I started talking to this guy in Houston and we, like, even after I got to Houston, we were still messaging back and forth. We didn't meet for, like, nine months or some shit like that. But that ended up being my husband. <laughs> Dude, tell me it was a free dating site. It was. Yes, of course it was. Right? It was okay Cupid, like one of the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, yeah, I've... I met I met Wannabe Wee Snatcher and OK Cupid. I met... Um, a pilot before wannabe wee snatcher, he was terrible. I uh, met him on OK Cupid, and then yeah, I met my ex husband on OK Cupid. After my ex, I was like, "We're done with OK Cupid. There's no quality men there." <laughs> Dude, so I've had actually. It's funny. I had. Oh, I don't know if it's funny. You might not find it funny. Um, <laughs> you know what's interesting first, is <laughs> the first couple um, that I had on. They actually, um, Justin and Kim, I believe. Um, they met on POF and then I've had other people on who tell like dating stories from Tinder and shit. I haven't had people on from OkCupid ah. though, though I've heard in roundabout ways about the perils of there's another one. A, fuck man. There's another just real grimy. It's not PO, POF seems to be like decent for like Megan Trainer even through POF in a music video. So POF. Really? Yeah. I've had no luck. I had a pretty terrible person on POF way back when too. Oh, so dude, you like, dude, how many dating apps did you have? On oh, your I've phone? done that. I, okay, so let's see. I've done POF. I've done OkCupid. Okay I've done Tinder. Um, I've done Bumble. I've That's done That's what it was. Bumble. Dude, they tell me Bumble is just fucking like, like, like the Wild West. They say Bumble is not, if you have any fear, don't go Bumble. That's what I've heard. Really? Dude, that, maybe it's just whatever, like their search region or some shit where they're like <laughs> going. I don't know, man. But these dudes are like, yeah, bumbling for the faint of heart. Don't do it. You are, you are, there is, you are going to be surprised in the worst ways every time. You know what's funny is that actually every single man I've met on Bumble has said, Anne, you are a breath of fresh air. And I'm like, well, thank you. But maybe it's because all the other women are terrible. I mean, I do think highly of myself. And maybe it's because the other women are terrible. Right? And like maybe you actually post a real picture of yourself. Yes. Like, yes. That's the thing that I've heard from. It's funny, man. Like some of the commonalities speaking with people on the podcast, they're just like, man, what was this one girl came on? She was from London and she was giving hints because she loved like prepping her hookups. Robin, Robin from London. She loved prepping her hookups when she went to different towns. So she would travel to like Austin and she was like, yeah, I had like three dudes uh -huh. lined up. 
all through Tinder. And these are the kind of pictures that help you. You got to make sure you include a full body shot so that they understand you're not going to be, you got to stay away from the high angle where they just see your face, but there's no shoulders because they think you're hiding something. You got to give them like a silhouette that's nice with the backside curve. And I'm like, there's a fucking science to this. Like there's a legit, like you've spent time researching and thinking, wow. I don't, that's it, it was crazy. A, dude, it was amazing. I don't know why I found it so amazing. Um, maybe because I'm just <laughs> extremely lame, but I was like, I can't believe there's that much thought into your dating app hookups. So anyway, I that, don't put that much thought into my dating no. apps, period. <laughs> no, so, I'm just like, you get what you get. Like, I'm going to be who I am. And, right? you know, yeah. So nine months chatting through OKCupid, did you ever give them your number during the nine months or do you just stray, stay on the app? We stayed on the app because he didn't ask for my number. And I was like, I'm not going to give it if he doesn't ask for it. So, yeah, eventually, like, what, nine months later, he asked for my number. We met up at a bar. And (laughs) I have actually a really good story about the first night we met. So we go to a bar. We're supposed to meet up at a bar. Um, My ex-husband was black. And there weren't a lot of black people at this bar. There weren't a lot of black men. So it's, like, not hard to... You know, I mean, I'm also pretty good at like looking at a picture and seeing if someone matches the picture. It's not that hard, but <laughs> apparently that night and I wasn't drunk. So I'm with a friend at the bar and I'm like looking around, looking around. I don't see him. I don't see him. And I don't think, I don't think he had my number yet at that point. So I couldn't text him and see, you know, like where he was or whatever. And so I see this guy sitting at the bar who looks like this dude. And so I very confidently walk up to this dude sitting at the bar (laughs) and I said, hi. And he looks at me like he didn't know who the hell I was. And I said, it's Ann, you know? And, um, he just kind of like shook his head. Like, uh, yeah, my wife is in the bathroom. If you don't get the fuck away from me, (laughs) my life is going to end. I was mortified I did not have the same level of confidence at that time I was mortified and I like walked away and I'm like laughing and like kind of on the verge of crying telling my friend about like I was like that's not the dude that's not the dude she's like are you sure I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure that's not the dude you know and so we go upstairs because it was in a two-level bar so we go upstairs and I'm still like talking to her about this I'm like what the fuck this is so weird while I'm in the middle of telling her the story, like continue to tell the story, this other dude overhears, I feel like it probably would have been you. He overhears the story. <laughs> he's like, now's my and chance. He's like, and he's like in it. He wants to like hear the whole story. So I start telling that the stranger. God. I start telling the stranger about what happened. And he's of course like super involved, right? Cause he's like, he's just super invested in this, in the story at this point. As I'm telling him the story, my ex, my now ex-husband, the guy I was supposed to meet, walks by, uh-huh. and I was like, there he is. And so then I, like, go to say hi to him, and I trip over, I don't know, someone's foot, and and I trip, and I hug him to greet him. There it is. <laughs> and he's like, yo, okay, Cupid, five stars. <laughs> but the the funniest part as if it wasn't already funny and mortifying is that he wasn't he's not really an affectionate person like he's oh, okay. not someone who would just like hug you i'm very like touchy-feely and huggy and whatever you know that's not who he was so it was the whole thing was awkward the entire right. fucking process was awkward yeah so clearly i married him but 
<laughs> Solid choice. He called me. You know, I tripped. <laughs> he called me. That's a keeper. <laughs> well, the hardest part was that because he was the next guy after, you know, wannabe we snatcher. So my my thought was he comes home every night. He doesn't leave. He's he'll do, uh, you know? And God. so that that's not a way to choose a husband, guys. Was that really so that was like the for real you remember actually saying that out loud, speaking it to yourself kind of a thing, like, hey man, that's good enough, the fact that he's just yeah. here. Because he, I remember I was staying at his place one night. He had gone out to play shuffleboard and he came back. I was already in bed, not really sleeping, but, you know, trying to fall asleep. So he came back, didn't come to bed right away and left again. And I immediately, like my trauma response got triggered. I was like, oh my God, he left. And then it didn't matter that I was staying at his place. So that he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna like leave his place for good, you know. But it was just like it was such a traumatic response, and so I was like freaking out, having a complete meltdown. And then when he came back, I explained to him what was going on because I was like, you know, the last guy I dated like fucking peaced out twice, and um, he was like, I, I live here, and I'm not gonna do that. And so in that moment, it was like he will always come home, and so I was I was willing to put up with anything because. I was like, at least he won't leave me. Dude, and to pivot, um, just philosophically, I'm kind of now in my head, I'm curious and wondering how much of your next relationship is based on it's the opposite or it's what I lacked in my previous. Not just you in general, like speaking, not you specifically speaking in generalities. How many people go through that in their mind of, God, I like, I was with a controlling person, so I want someone who's not fucking ask. Or I was with someone who wasn't affectionate, so I got to find someone who's super affectionate. You know, like versus that, and that goes to your external thing versus your internal of like, well, if I did, I enjoy that. What do I want in the relationship? Kind of a thing. It's interesting. Yep. You know, it definitely played a part in it because <clears throat> with my ex husband, it was at least he'll always be around. You know, it didn't matter that we had like no passion in the relationship that our passion turned into arguments. Like it was, that's all it was, you know? And I, was I like, gotta be honest, man. Shit. As soon as you said he left to play shuffleboard, first thing <laughs> I questioned was the passion and I'm sorry. <laughs> I immediately went to a lack of intensity. As soon as you said shuffleboard. No wonder, no wonder you got divorced. <laughs> no, no, not, not saying that because it can be fine. You know, plenty of undispassionate, unpassionate people maintain healthy marriages. I'm sure. I'm just, I don't know if I'm staying at a dude's apartment and he's like, um, so before I leave, have you seen my shuffleboard shoes? And then I'm laying in bed waiting for him to come put it on me when he gets home. Like, I don't know if those two things are, are coming together for me, but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. And then, then, you're just, then you're all over and he's like, baby, just had a really long game. I don't even like know a shuffleboard reference. Just like, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just so much shoulder and wrist action right now. I, I can't, I can't. I'm drained. <laughs> you, you know having this conversation i'm like thank god that part of my life is over 
Yeah. What what yep. led to the marriage? So if you're staying what? at his place and he's going out to shuffleboard, you're not married yet, right? Or were you married? No. Nope. No. No. We were so, just living together. Yeah. So then what um do you say escalates? What takes the what takes the relationship in the forward step to get married? Oh god. <laughs> so then I was in the mindset of gotta lock this one in. Because <laughs> he always comes back. Since he always he comes will back. Always, he will anchor. always come back. So how do you how do you lock someone in? You get married because clearly marriages never fail, right? right. So it was just like, <laughs> yeah. So then I basically tried to control the engagement and uh, kind of force that upon the relationship, and like we got engaged. Kept, you just kept saying, "Hey, man, when are we going to get married?" Kind of. When are we going to get married? Yeah, because I I had that belief, and it's also in our society too. Yeah. You know that like. You'll be happy once you're married because relationships always get better once you get married. Not. Right. Yeah, it is. What's your just like personal opinion on that? Why do you think the marriage can be a, a an inhibitor to a happy relationship? Or do you think it just like is a really individual thing? People just get married to the wrong person, so they're non. I think it's an individual thing. I think that I think a lot of times. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that a lot of times people um, force or rush marriage, just like a lot of people will force and rush kids. Like a lot of people don't ask, like, why do I want children? You know, it's just like, oh, this is just this thing. Not this, not that the child is a thing, but it's just like it's the next thing that we do. You know, I think a lot of times people have children because they think the child would bring happiness. Um, not understanding how how stressful it can be to have a child. I think the same thing with with marriage. It's like. I think there's this part of like, if I'm committed to this person for life, then we will always figure things out. Like we'll always be a team, but there's also the flip side, which is now I'm married to this person and I can't fucking leave. And so it kind of changes your mentality with things where it's like, you kind of have to force, you know, if if you want the the marriage to be long lasting, you kind of have to force (laughs) yourself to stay in it. And to look at, you know, how do we communicate? How do, and there's so many things that play a part in marriage. You have the finances of it. You have, you know, having your individual lives versus your joint life. You have a big piece of it, which is not just marriage, but relationships in general is, do you have a common vision? Because that was one of my issues was that I had a vision for my life, but we didn't really have a vision together. And so I kept trying to force someone into my vision and they're like, I don't really want that. And I was like, but I want it. So you should want it too. And you come home all the time. So you're attached to it. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces. And I think that, you know, now, I mean, it's been obviously a long time since I've been in a relationship, but I've taken that time also to make sure that I don't get into, I'm not going to get into a relationship until all of these pieces are in place. And vision is one of those things. Like we have to want a similar lifestyle Otherwise, it's never going to work. Yeah, no doubt. And it's so, I don't know. I, and again, now I'm just setting myself up because now I'm awarely awkward of my odd transitional phrasing. But it, it's odd to me, since I said odd, um, you're living with someone, you're basically married at that instant, right? Like if you're living with someone, spending your days with them in the same place, that kind of is what a marriage is, right? And it's funny to then have to like 
take it even further to say, nope, need the marriage as well. Um, yeah. And then the the lack of escape, the escapability, um, causing people to feel like, fuck, man, I'm trapped. Where like I'm surprised the realization doesn't come from just living with them, you know. So like, is, are you optimistic? Like, oh, if I get married, then the change will occur. Is that kind of the hope? I kept thinking that if I was living in his place and we weren't married at any point, if we got into a fight, he could kick me out and then I'd be screwed. So there was that fear. And then as far as the marriage, um, forgot what your question was. I don't know if it was, it, it was, it was actually just more general, but I'm surprised when you were talking about not having the same vision for a lifestyle how that wasn't realized. And it's not like a judgment thing. I almost go just more, again, like philosophical general, how it's not realized. Cause I think that's kind of common. I feel like a lot of people, especially, and I, I think we're, you don't have to say your age, but I'm, I'm 39. I'll be 40 if COVID doesn't kill me by the summer, right? <laughs> Next summer. So like, I feel there was a shift in live together, get to know people generationally from what I've been around where it's like, how do you not realize you didn't fuck it? You fought all it. You, you lived with her for three months, dude. And you fought all the fucking time. Why are you in, why do you want to get engaged? Like, how is that going to be fun for the next 50 years? It's not going to fucking work, dude. So that's where I'm coming from is like, when you live with this person, I feel like it's pretty obvious pretty early. Our lives are not on the same pathway. We are not parallel tracks, but yet I also I made I made a lot of excuses though too, right? So it was like because you just he wanted, was, right? well, because I was like he's he wasn't happy with his job. So I was like, okay, once he gets a, def- a different job, then he'll be happier. Then our relationship will be better, right? Okay, well, when I'm not stressed about getting engaged, once I have the thing that I want, right? Once we're engaged, once we're married, then he'll feel whatever, and then it'll be okay. Once we moved, because then we moved from. Um, Houston to Chicago. That's how I ended up in Chicago. We both wanted to be there. And I was like, okay, he hates Houston. So once he likes his job and is in Chicago, then our relationship (laughs) is going to get better. And it's just like, it never got better. And then at that point, then I was like on this roller coaster and I was like, I don't know how to get off. We're engaged. We're living together. We've already moved to another city. How the fuck do I get out of this now? So I was like, I guess we just keep on going. I knew... (laughs) I knew on my wedding day, I married the wrong dude. That is not how you want to show up to your wedding day. That is a shitty feeling. Stop, man. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. And then I was like, well, hopefully hopefully this will get better. You know, it's just one of those like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And it, it never got better. It got so much worse. And was it just amicable? Is that the right word? Where both you guys sat down over some like cold pot roast at some point and you were just <laughs> like, fuck are we doing? Hey, man, see ya. No, it was because um, he was emotionally and verbally abusive, and we had gone to visit family in Minnesota for my gra- for my grandma's ninety third birthday, I think, and we were driving back from my cousin's house. Um, he had had way too much to drink, so I ended up driving that night. But he wanted to drive, and so he was angry that I wouldn't give him the keys. And so as we were driving back to the hotel, he. Um, he was trying to navigate, but he was so drunk. He was slurring his words and I couldn't understand him. I couldn't figure out where I was going. And so I, I asked him, um, I think I just asked him to like show me the GPS or whatever. He ended up turning it off 
and I had no clue where, like, I had no clue how to get back to the hotel. I, we had gotten far enough at least that I was, I, I remembered whatever I figured out how to get back to the hotel. And when we got back to the hotel parking lot, we got out and he started yelling at me. He's like, I don't fucking know why we're together. And at that point I was like, I don't know either. <laughs> like it was terrible. And so I let him go into the hotel alone. So I was like, I'm not going to walk in with him screaming at me right. into the hotel lobby. And at that point I was like shaking. And I just, in that moment I decided like, I'm done. Like, I don't know how I'm going to end this, but I'm done. And, um, I think it was maybe like not even a month later, the next, uh, like on Saturday morning, I, I went out to the kitchen. I was, you know, getting ready to brew my coffee. He was sitting on the couch watching soccer. And, uh, I was like, you know, do you want to work at this? And he was like, the whole thing has been work. I'm like, that is accurate actually. (laughs) And it was, so at that point it was kind of like, he didn't really want to work on it. We'd already been to marriage counseling, you know, and that wasn't really solving anything long-term and he didn't want to work at it. And I didn't want someone who didn't want to work at it. And I, at that point I was like, I deserve to be happy and this is terrible. So I had him sleep in the guest room. So it was, it was a gradual thing, but I had no, I mean, I had known since my wedding day that it wasn't going to last. Dude, that I can't imagine what, mentally what that month is like. And then, you're like living together, but you're not together like that. That's just fucking eerie, man. It's like a twilight zone kind of a thing, you know, especially, and almost the irony. I don't know if it would be poetic irony because I don't know what poetic irony is, but (laughs) like the, the desire of, I want the guy who stays right. And now you're there and like, you're like, dude, I wish you'd just fucking go, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you stay and you're staying in the right. guest room. And here I am right. like that, man, what a fucking mental clusterfuck that had to be. Yeah. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. <laughs> to, to, and it doesn't have to be specific about you. Cause, um, I enjoy people's thoughts and perspectives, especially those who are a bit woo woo again. Um, do you want to work at it? I like, I'm interested in your thoughts on, do you think relationships, if you find, and it doesn't have to be like the twin flame or whatever, but your soul partner, when you have a relationship, should it be work? Because we were talking earlier about like the passion, right? Like, dude, something should just come easy. If it's meant to be, it does come kind of easy. And it can feel weird. You're like, it shouldn't be this easy, but nah, if it's meant to be for whatever reason, universe puts in your way it comes to you. So why doesn't that seem to apply to relationships or are humans just fucking terrible at monogamy and long, longevious, longevious monogamy? Did I try to translate that right? (laughs) Longevious, just fucking throw that in there. (laughs) Monogamy and a longevity. I don't know how to make that an adverb. But do you you get what I'm saying? Like, because it seems like so many relationships are so much work and you're like, why? Why does it have to be this much work? Because you have two people with their own past, their own baggage, their own beliefs, their own wounds. And and the, the purpose of coming into relationship with one another is not to complete one another. It's not to to bring happiness and joy to one another. That's that's each person's personal responsibility. Like your own well-being, your own mental stability, your own love for yourself. Like that's all your own personal responsibility. Um, 
the purpose, ultimately, I believe the spiritual purpose of being in a relationship is for growth. And so the only way that you grow is through being triggered in some way. Now, that's not to say that you want to find someone who just like triggers the fuck out of you. And you're just like, Oh man, they anger me five times, five times a day. I'm growing so much. There's, you know, it's like you want someone, and this is like a whole other conversation for a whole nother day, but there's, there's really um, a masculine way to show up in relationship, like a healthy masculine way and a healthy feminine way. And a lot of times what happens is that both men and women are in their wounded masculine and feminine. So there's a lot of, conflict and chaos. Um, also a lot of times women are actually in their masculine cause we have to show up in our masculine a lot in society when it comes to running a business or, you know, taking care of children or being at work. It's, we're very much in our masculine energy. And so we come then into our relationships trying to plan and control and manipulate. And, and I don't mean, mean manipulate in like a shitty way, but it's like, you know, you try to, to control the relationship and, um, men want freedom. The masculine wants freedom and the, the masculine wants to feel like they have a choice and, and the, the female, the feminine wants to experience love. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, pieces that are involved and men don't necessarily understand women and women don't necessarily understand men unless a person understands their masculine and feminine energy, which we, we all have both. And so to understand the masculine, which is the logical and the feminine, which is the emotional, once you balance that within yourself, then you begin to see how it's reflected in relationships. But most people don't have that level of awareness. And wounded masculine? I don't know if I've heard that. So you're just like, is that fight or flight kind of a thing where you're logically going through your mind being like, can I win this or do I need to get out of this? Or what is the wounded masculine is a lot of like the hustle and grind mentality. So like we were talking earlier about like busting through doors, like trying to make shit happen. That's wounded masculine. That's exactly what I'm trying to, I feel like I need to rename the podcast mine because that's exactly, I'm just fucking like grinding at it. Like it's going (laughs) to. It's my wounded masculine energy being redirected into zooms and fucking garage band editing. <laughs> I, I would not have thought that wounded masculine, I would not have equated that to hustle and grind, like mm-hmm. to, to, to almost a stubbornness. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a, how much have you learned tonight? A lot. It, it's, yeah, it, it's funny, man, because it just kind of reinforces. Again, you're in Arizona. Um, I had a great guest, Kylene. And it's funny, like some guests you still do kind of like click with and you message. Like you see there, I'm not as, so, I wasn't on social media before the podcast. And um, I got onto it and I just use it for the podcast. But you do message particular people, right? And you're like, hey. whatever, you see their stories. And I've had guests on, but I don't have a relationship with guests through social media. But she's one of them. Because she's very much into this. And I forget, she had broken this down to me in a way that I had never had someone actually explain. It was the first time ever someone had explained it. So now I'm to the point where I speak to people like you. I have a reference point. So I can kind of get it. But I love when new things are added to what I don't remember, which is the wounded masculine and the masculine feminine energy, the logical, the emotional. I like it. What the fuck was I getting at with her? The people she tried to talk about, it's not just a twin flame that basically all your realities, your journey when you're reincarnated is like you got six people in your life 
and they're going to come in there for different purposes, but every life you live is the same person. So when you meet these people and you have this energy with them, it might not be like a relational energy. It might be that person, like you're saying, that is triggering you to get better because that's what you need to elevate to the next level of whatever your, I don't know the word, your journey. It's not, she didn't say journey. It was, she was way more articulate with it. But anyway, it, it's, it was like, it's exactly what you're saying about you seek relationships to better yourself. Yep. But there are also those relationships where you can't just seek it to constantly be triggered because you can't be in that state of better, 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 better. It's unhealthy. You never get to rest. Well, and, and the thing is, like, we all have relationships in our lives that are, you know, platonic or familial and that trigger the fuck out of us. And so we don't need to bring that dynamic into our romantic relationship because you're already in relationship with at least one person in your life where you're like, oh, man, they know exactly how to push my buttons. So like you're already getting that. <laughs> you're already right. getting that in your life. You don't need to bring that in in your romantic relationship. Yeah, it's it's funny. I did um I was talking to someone else. Um have you heard of the fuck to fight ratio? No. Oh, dude, it's something, and it, it's a real thing. Like if you Google yeah. "fuck to fight ratio," and it it's an oversimplification of the negative, the effects of negativity on a relationship versus the effects of positivity and affirmation. So, the rule of thumb, I believe it's it's either five or seven. I'm gonna say seven. So basically, for every negative, every time you have a fight, you would need to fuck seven times to overcome the negative effect of that fight. And if that <laughs> ratio is off, your relationship is doomed. Wow. Yeah. And again, it's not like these, these scientists are like creeping in people's windows, right? Like <laughs> setting up arguments, like, like they're putting lipstick on the dude's collar and then they're like, okay, this week, how many times? But the, the essence of it is like that negativity in a relationship is way more impactful than the positivity. You can have five instances of love. One negative thing will wipe them out, right? And it, it's it's kind of what you're talking about with that, um, the triggering. You want that trigger, but then you also passionately need to have that person that you can then take that energy and hone yep. it into a passionate, fulfilling way, which would be the fucking in this analogy. And if you're not getting that, then it's like... <laughs> Well, then you feel empty, right? Then, because cause you need it, you need that positivity, you need that bind or, or the bond, and it's um bind. <laughs> I was talking about fucking, and it's like, yeah, you need that bondage, and then, <laughs> and then you're tied up, and all of a sudden, <laughs> right? You're in the you're in the prequel to Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, but no, like it was one of those things where when I heard it, the fuck to fight ratio, I was like. I feel like that might be a core belief of mine. <laughs> like if I sit there and analyze that, I feel like <laughs> I may adopt that as like one of those. Yeah, man, that's a pillar. <laughs> that's a pillar. <laughs> I don't know. You like put it in your dating profile just so you're aware. <laughs> <laughs> hey, babe. So, you know, <laughs> that'd be a like, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? actually it wouldn't be i wouldn't put in the pro it would be like the profile pick and right you'd have to have the columns behind you you know like roman coliseum and you just god that would be terrible 
and then like and the Greek, all the Greek just like menly men are back there doing the fuck to fight ratio, and you see almost like Karma Sutra, right? And you see like right, the positions right. just all there, one fight, and it's the scales of justice are involved somehow, and you're like, this is balance. It's like I'm the guy holding the scales of justice with the fuck to fight with all these Karma Sutra positions, and you're like. This is me. Swipe right. <laughs> See, I feel like I would swipe right just to under, be like, what the fuck is that? No Tell me doubt. about this picture. Dude, I don't quite understand. He must have some great breathing techniques because he put all sorts of thought into that shit. <laughs> this dude must have really good stories. <laughs> And it's like, no, I just have really good internet and a lot of free time. <laughs> I have Fios. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then you're the one that's gone for a week. And then I'm sitting there and I'm upset. I'm like, what happened? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so easy so easy just to think of stupid things late at night it's funny man because like sometimes and this is again like random just rambles um i enjoy the later evening podcasts some recording them because like you get to it there's just a different vibe to recording at night where your shit's done for the day you get to do more of a relax i know it's not exactly like as i'm on east coast time so it's almost 10 o'clock at this point for me but it just it allows a a more relaxed vibe. I've done some in the mornings where it's, you can almost feel the stress and some people they're just like, right. And you don't get to just fucking be stupid sometimes. I don't know. The evening vibe is different. I get it. Yeah. Um, so then we're at divorce. We still haven't gotten to you being a nomad, which is pretty interesting to me. And then we recorded the five hour podcast. No doubt. We didn't fucking get to anything. Although, what is getting to? It is the journey, right? Um, I'm curious then. So now, are you looking in the third relationship? What are you taking from the second? What are you putting in your closet from the second that you're taking to the third? For my second relationship, I made a whole list of all the things that I would no longer have to put up with, which I had never done before. Stop and then I looked literally a list you wrote. I wrote a list of all the shit I would never put up with again. Oh yep. my God. Like, yep. what was the, I'm curious how large you were writing. <laughs> so like, is it a T-chart? <laughs> what is the heading? Like shit, I ain't come. Mama, I don't play this. Like, what was the heading? Are we using bullet points? Are there pictures intertwined? Like bullet bullet points is in a journal, and at the top it was like I think it was something along the lines of like shit I'll never put up with again, or like she'll never have to deal with something along those lines. Right. And then it was bullet points, and um, I don't even remember. And if I had my if I had my journal, I would actually pull it out and read it, but I don't. Um, yeah, so it was like bullet points. And then on the other side, on the other page, it was then things I wanted. And I started to get really clear on it. So it was like, 
you know, all the contrast that I had experienced was like, okay, these are all the things I don't want. So now what do I want? And I got really clear on what I wanted. And, and when I got clarity on that and I could really feel into what do I want my relationship to feel like? And it was like, I mean, it was only within a few months after that, I met my then my next, my next partner. How did you refer to these two pages or just the process of writing them? solidified it enough in your mind so you could move forward with it. Yeah, that was, that was a big piece of it. And I had also, when I was still married, like every single night for a while, I was falling asleep, envisioning a different relationship. I was like, not, I was, because my relationship was so miserable that I was just like, I just want to feel better and my relationship doesn't feel good. So let me envision a relationship that feels better. And so I envisioned one that was lighthearted and there was laughter and there was passion and, you know, dude still didn't leave. He still came home, but it was like, you know, all all of these things that that I wanted and we cooked together and, you know, it was just, and that's what I had. That's the relationship that I had. And, and it was, yeah, I was like, Oh man, this is great. But yeah. It's, it's interesting to me because I feel like a lot of people when they're happy, unhappy, the emotional state they're in, I feel like they feel it and they keep it in their heads. And it's such a fun, like when you're emotional, you, it's very hard to be logical. A list to yeah. me is super logical, right? A list to yeah. me, now we're on the track of solving this problem. I'm going to get to the solution. <laughs> we're going to create this Frankenstein perfect man. And you're like, but people will spend all that energy in an emotional state in their mind and think they've come to a somewhat logical conclusion, but they haven't gone about it in a logical way. And it makes me really wonder how many people do. And Jim Halpert gets made fun of a little bit in the office because he was big on like lists. I don't know if you watch the office. Yeah. I love the office. Right. So like that was one of his things, but it's kind of true. And then if you believe in the spirituality aspect and the manifestation, and I want to speak things into existence, if you stay in that emotional state in your mind, it's a fucking tornado. You don't even know what to speak. You just know how yep. you're feeling. Listing it to me seems like a very easy, pragmatic and focused way to be like, this is what good, right? Like I want to feel good. Well, I don't know. Well, what would be the things that make you feel good? There's a lot of fucking time in the day. So making something like that, cooking, right? Laughing. You'd be like, oh shit, that yep. is important to me that we crack jokes. Okay, it yep. is important that, you know, I'm chopping, he's whatever seasoning, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, that's interesting that you took that step to um to manifest it. And you say it actually, you feel like that list created the next yep. relationship. Yep. I looked back on the list and I was like, holy shit. Yep. That's the dude. And it was pretty, I mean, it was basic in the fact that it was only a page. I know I, I've got four pages going for my next dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> that poor motherfucker. I think there's, I think there's a reason it's taken a while. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I just keep adding to it. <laughs> Cause I keep dating dudes and I'm like, Nope, don't want that. Let's add something else to the list. <laughs> right. Oh. So, well, I'm curious what, so then what happened to get the, good side of the list and maybe while you're talking i'll try to think of a nickname for like right-sided list guy but that that's clunky i don't like that um (laughs) right but like what started getting him into the shit i won't put up with side what traits started shifting him that way like what did i not want to put up with at the end of him? him so if you manifest the guy 
third guy and you're like, hey, you know, this is it. You meet the criteria. Winner. Then all of a sudden, it's not a winner and you become a nomad, right? <laughs> so... I mean, a big reason he was not a winner was because I, I sabotaged it, right? So I think that there were a lot of things that that still would have been, like he would have been almost it. But he was also an alcoholic, and so and I was an alcoholic when I was dating him. And, and there were moments where I wanted to cut back on my drinking, but I had a really hard time saying no when someone else was drinking. And so, and not that that's his fault; it, that was my own shit. But I noticed myself constantly trying to fix things in him that I ultimately was avoiding within myself. So that was a big one. Um, <laughs> Can I, he was, yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, but I'm curious about your definition of alcoholic. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I, I, like, I feel like, like as I'm sitting here drinking a beer, <laughs> dude, I'm fucking on three. <laughs> like I take, I take very little shape. Shout out Kristen guest 29, who um, has helped me um, almost from the beginning. She kind of, she just kind of guided me and I finally got her to come on on 29. She would shoot me messages when I would play a podcast. She was almost like the editor and she'd be like, less wine more water because <laughs> I'd like be doing the intro for him after I hang up, you know, like I'm editing it and I'm just fucking flaring and shit and my chopping my lips. And <laughs> Episode 18, less wine, more water. But it's a, I, I, I feel like it's somewhat of a serious, serious, not serious question, but serious inquiry about, I don't know. Is there a clinical line to alcoholic or is it just like, man, I, there's a negativity associated with my drinking that made me feel like I'm an alcoholic or was it so serious that you felt like I have, cause to me, alcoholic means you have to have a drink. You're no longer choosing to drink. You have to have a drink. And yeah, that's so why with, I was curious. With him, it was that he was like taking whiskey in his backpack he was in grad school at the time so he was taking whiskey in his backpack um to school he was putting whiskey in his coffee um oh, yeah. and i was like i mean this is a bit extreme right. you know on like a tuesday morning no um for me it was that i was such a severe emotional drinker that if i was angry if i was sad if i was happy it didn't matter what emotion there was always a reason to drink and there was always a reason to drink excessively and so and the fact that I couldn't say no, I would, I would say to myself, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then he would come home and he would open up, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever. Okay. I'll have a drink. I couldn't say no to it. So I think that those things are pretty, pretty. The, the yeah. can't say no thing is an interesting point to me. And I've actually battled this again. It's the Gantanity pod. And I feel like maybe I'm making this about myself, maybe because I'm on three beers, who knows, but <laughs> Like, I don't know, man. I, I work out pretty regularly. I run fairly often. I'm on track to like try to do a marathon just for the fuck of it, right? I'm a marathon runner. Oh, are you really? Okay, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hear it's just this weird bond with people. I've had a bunch of marathon runners on, um, ultra runners even, who fucking do 100 miles. And oh my God, dude, that's intense. One dude who's in Hawaii, Dylan, and he fucking did a double marathon in Hawaii just for the fuck of it. Right. Like he's been in the peace Corps. He's one of those people like you hate him and you would smack him, except he's really cool and friendly. And you know, he would also kick your ass if you ever tried to, 
<laughs> but like I talk to these people and I'm like, fuck it, man. I'm just going to try to run. But all that to say, I've said to myself like, yeah, man, you know, you don't need a drink tonight. But then whatever, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I could go for a drink. And I don't feel bad about that. It doesn't make me feel like I'm an alcoholic. But now I'm kind of wondering, do I even have a choice? Or is the alcohol making a choice for me? You know? Mm-hmm. And are you like, and there's a whole like, you know, are you using it to escape feeling a certain, like, because a lot of times we'll, um, we'll insert whatever the behavior is because we don't want to experience boredom, right? So we'll do things out of boredom. Yeah. I do. I, I think or, the fucking COVID thing for sure brought out, I mean, yeah. alcohol sales were going through. Dude, I work with a guy whose wife works for Boston Beer. Like Sam Adams, you know, microbrew and like their yep. stocks fucking like quadrupled. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, dude, everyone's sitting at home and there's so less to do that they're just like, fucking man, might as well have an extra glass, might as well have another, you know? Yeah. Which is so interesting because it's like you could also choose to like build a business or do something, you know, it's like, for me, I'm like, great, I have more time to work on my next book, you know? So it's right. interesting that, and because we all make choices, right? Yeah. It's like something happens, we have extra time. What do we choose? Some people choose to binge watch Netflix. Some yeah. people choose. I'm now actually training for multiple marathons because why the fuck not? I'm like, well, we'll run, we'll run three marathons next year because why yeah. the fuck not? Dude, yeah. And that's part of, and um, I mean, my drinking's gone through the roof. It's probably why I don't lose weight. Um, So it's funny. <laughs> I um, So I, I love weighing myself before and after running longer distances. I never ran more than like I was at six miles and I would, I could do, I fly, I had a route so I could do four five or six, depending on if I would ever made a right or a left, right? What I was feeling for the day, how nice the weather was. And then one day I was just like, I was feeling good. Cassie came on. She was like, you know, I got a 10 minute rule. If I'm feeling good into the run, I just go and I just see what yep. I can do. So I'm fucking feeling it that day. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna hit a half. Let me just try a half for the fuck of it. And I got it. And I was like, shit, dude, if I can do a half, I bet you if I like, distanced up a little bit did seven nine twelve elevens right i bet you i could do a marathon like and feel and, and not feel bad about it so i'm on that path but at the same time i feel like i drink more than i need to so before a half i weighed 169.2 pounds i run 13 miles i come back in shower get on the scale i'm 161 pounds I lost nine fucking, I lost 8.8 pounds going for a 13 mile jog. And I'm like, how much fucking liquid is in you, bro? What are you sweating out? Do you know, like that's to me, I was like, dude, that might be the biggest indicator that you're drinking too much. The fact that, you know, like, I don't know, uh, but that's, that to me is what I did a little bit with the COVID time too. I did the podcast thing and I did more running. You know, and I yeah. tried to use the time for a positive, even though you indulge more in the liquor or the liquor, the drinking, which would be a negative. I almost in my mind justified it by trying to do two to three more positive things and just having the ability to be a little groggier in the morning and work my way through a hazy day, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, fuck, what else? I don't need to shower at a certain time. How'd you get into running? What was appealing or what is appealing about running for you? 
I mean, I loved running as a child, um, although I wasn't like a run, like I wasn't in track or anything like that. And then I started really shifting my health in 2014, started working out regularly. And so then I was like, let me just try running. And then I was friends with the woman who was like, you should run a race. And I was like, okay. So she was running races at the time. And she's like, you should sign up for the hot chocolate, the hot chocolate race. And I was like, all right, it was a 5k or a 15k. So I'm thinking she's, she's signing up for the 5k. And so I was like, all right, which one did you sign up for? She's like, I signed up for the 15K because she's run races before. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I signed up for my first race ever. I signed up for a 15K because why the fuck not? So that's kind of where it all began for me. And then, and then like the, the race culture is just amazing. It's so supportive. It's so uplifting. It's so positive. It is. And, and I was just obsessed with it. And it's got so many people in it who have overcome addictions or sicknesses and they just want to push their bodies and appreciate getting up early, having a purpose, being around people. It's funny because where were you running at this point? Like geographically? I was in Chicago. Dude, same way in Southern Delaware. So again, one of those funny humanistic traits of that race culture just seems to be a culture regardless of region. It totally is. Yeah, it totally is. And then what was your first marathon? Chicago marathon in 2017. So I left Chicago in July of 2017, but I had already applied and got accepted. And then I was training in Mississippi in the summer. That was my marathon training. And the worst part is if marathon training isn't hard enough, most people, and especially first time marathoners don't train alone. You train with a group, you have, you know, you have a, a, a group that you train with, but I did not. So I trained by myself in the South, in Mississippi. And at that point I was like, if I can get through fucking marathon training in Mississippi in the South, I can get through anything in my life because it's such a mental battle, you know? And it's true. Like I do feel like having run that marathon helped me mentally for everything else in my life. It's a long ass time. Dude, the most I've gone so far is 15 miles. And I'm actually, it's funny. I'm debating. I did nine today. Um, but I listen to podcasts when I go. Right. So I, I don't know if it's as much of a mental battle. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop out <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Cause, cause you have some but 15 miles is still, I mean, that's so I, I did the 15 and, um, like I said, nine today, I think I'm gonna try to do 12 tomorrow. And I was considering Friday off and I'm like, let me see if I can just fucking do it on Saturday. Right. But then I'm like, it's another extra 11 that you haven't done. So I'm curious for your training. Cause I've gotten advice from different people. Yeah. Do you, they, everyone, the people I've talked to is like, Sean, if you can hit 15 and I think I did 15 at, um, it was a little under nine minutes a mile. So it was a decent yeah. clip, right? Like yeah. I, I'm feeling yeah. good about it. They're like, dude, you fucking got it. Just, just go run your marathon so you can stop. <laughs> yep. You can um, definitely do a marathon. I know. Cause my ex was a, was a, a running coach and I, I believe he said, if you can run a half marathon, you can run a marathon. So I was like, okay. All right. And I actually never thought I was going to run a marathon, but he was a runner and he ran the Chicago marathon in 2016. And I went to support him and I was like, this is amazing. I mean, I loved race culture, but being around it, around a marathon, like it's a completely different energy. And then I was like, I want to do that. I want to, you know? And so I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to do a marathon. And, And I did. Can I tell you the biggest thing I love about running these long distances is and I'm not like super vain. I've never been like, oh my God, there's too many calories, no bacon on my burger, or can I have the side <laughs> salad? But 
I'm fucking amazed. Dude, you run nine miles. You can, you can eat, do whatever the fuck you want. Eat, and I think that's part of their happiness. They're just like, yeah. yo, I figured it out. Like, you, yeah. you can't work a fucking desk job and drink beer and eat burgers and be happy. But if you fucking burn 3,000 calories on a road, <laughs> have some ice cream. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And like, yeah. it's been one of those things where I'm like, wow, man, that's a, it's an interesting little perk. And then you're mentally happy too, because you just ran them. I mean, there's so many factors that play a part, right? It's like, of course, it's um, the endorphins. It's the fact that you kind of can kind of eat whatever you want. It's the fact that you've overcome something that maybe you believed you couldn't do. So your self-esteem has increased. I mean, there's right. so many pieces to it, it gives that you, play a part. It gives you a label, an identity, yeah. right? You know, yep. like it gives you another tribe to be a part of, to associate yep. with. Um yeah, it's been interesting talking. It's funny, like with the podcast, I'll go on streaks of particular types of guests for some reason. Like you run into whatever. Like I had a basketball coach streak. I had ultra runner streaks. I had the woo-woo streak. I've had just like <laughs> author streak. You know, I had Canadians. I had like five Canadians in a row. And it's like <laughs> great people. I didn't mean to say it like a disparaging way. But it's interesting, the running people, it just – you do get very introspective because despite listening to music or listening to podcasts or just being in your head, that extra time to think on the road and finding a flow state, finding that rhythm that you just feel comfortable going, your mind, it's a weird meditation. Like I've never meditated, it, it is. but it's a different sort of meditation. And you can find out a lot about what your priorities are, what you want, yep. because your mind just starts going there. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize that mattered to me. Right. I didn't realize I was worried about that. And you start to become really aware of your thoughts. And that's part of when I started to realize, wow, I'm telling myself how hard this is. Therefore it feels really hard. What would happen if I told myself this is really easy? What would happen if I told myself this was really fucking fun on my 20 mile run that I don't want to fucking do, yeah. you know, when mm. it's a bajillion degrees outside and humid as fuck, you know? And, and I switched that and I was like, wow, this is easier. It is more enjoyable. Crazy. <laughs> it really does point out your mental, your, your mentality's effect on something as simple as your energy and your, pers I guess perspective is the same thing as mental. The, the way you talk to yourself, I'll take a turn and I'll get into wind and I'll be like, fuck. And as soon as I say, fuck my whole, my pace low, my shoulder slur, mer slur, slur drop. <laughs> <laughs> I feel my stride shorten and then I got to more water. <laughs> I got to I got to tell myself I'm like, dude, follow fuck with like fuck yeah and embrace yeah. it and be like fuck yeah, man, this is going to be good, right? And it, yeah. it really does, man, and it does and it can translate to life. You get a little adversity and you can remind yourself, okay, I went through this and I made it. So now, whatever's bothering me at work or with life, let me lean into it. Let me be like fuck yeah. Let's figure that out. You know? Yep. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it's it it's like the human body. It's funny, you think of like the <clears throat> the nature and twin flames and the universe and all that. But I think part of like the human humans weren't meant to be sedentary, man. We're fucking active no. people. Like you gotta yeah. move. And it's um I think that's part of the culture too. You just feel connected when you run because you're doing kind of what you were meant to do. You were meant to run. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. So the ex-husband was the runner. No, the ex-boyfriend after oh, the husband. Okay. I'm sorry. I had my timelines. I was trying to <laughs> remember when you had said 2000. 
Oh, 16, not 14. Yeah. And it got you. See, I jacked that yep. all up. Definitely should go to the water. <laughs> I'll give you a heads up too. I have 10% left on my battery. Oh shit. I do. And you know, that's something I don't. So to put you on the spot, how much prep and research into me did you do? Zero. Exactly. Did you have any <laughs> idea the length of the podcast and the conversation? No. Okay. So it's funny because you made a joke about a five hour pod. Like, dude, it's nothing for me to go like three, four hours. It's fucking commonplace. <laughs> it really is. Like it's, it's commonplace. And I forget that. And I never say, Hey, what's your time frame Like, you know, to anybody, <laughs> I just start fucking talking. I was just like, yeah, let's just see what happens. Um, I love it. So since you're at 10% and since we got nowhere into your nomadic life, which I can't believe. Um, <laughs> we have to do another one. We'll do like a part two. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, that's that's actually something I do sometimes for people, um, which has been interesting. So I do this encore segment because some people get very like they have a message and they get worried and they're like, no, no, no. I got to come back on. I I, I have another hour. I Please don't. Pop. And I'm like, sure, man, whatever. You know, like it's I'm pretty easy going. So I thought of this other section. But anyway, let's do this. Since you are getting to know you, since you are ignorant to the getting to know you pod ways. We'll end the podcast with this. And maybe it would be neat to talk about a nomadic experience, although you do not have to. Are you ready? I mean, my nomadic, my nomadic life is a really interesting story that, we, yeah, we should definitely do. I know, like all we did podcast. was gossip and shit on your exes. <laughs> like, that's all we did. <laughs> Fucking wannabe wee snatcher. I love that. Oh, but I mean, it made for a really good episode. So it's like, you know, if you want to know Anne's backstory, listen to this one. If you want to know about Anne's it's whatever, origin, listen right? to this one. Yeah, the effects of it. All right, man. Yeah. So you can take this in any direction you would like. And I'm interested to see how you interpret it. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. What? <laughs> Should have done some research, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just you're like kidding. you're like because you didn't do research, I'm not even going to air this one. <laughs> no, 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 I, I leave it all in there. Um, I'm so kidding. <laughs> I, like I said, I think you're I think you're about the 90th guest. Only three have been prepared. Let me see if I can remember them. Shout out Kristen, episode 29, Eric, episode 75, Pastor, and Jeej, who is the Captain Ahab guy, episode 83. Don't know if those numbers are right. But basically it's this, no one, no one knows it's coming because no one makes it to the end of a fucking four hour podcast. <laughs> um, best first for last. So it's the getting to know you pod. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you get to know someone, you get to know about their first experiences doing something. Mm -hmm. And since we're ending the pod for last, it'll be the last thing people will get to know about you on the podcast. So I call it the best first for last. And I, the whole reason for the segment is because I'm a greedy capitalist and I figured if I did a segment, I may at one point find a sponsor for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I feel like it's somewhat clever. Uh, well, as an entrepreneur, I'm all for capitalism. I think that's a great idea. So right? yeah, my best, my good. best first for last. All right. I'll tell you a story from my first day of teaching. How about that? Love it. 
So my first day of teaching, I was a first grade teacher, actually, my very, very first day, first year. And I had my students draw what happened, you know, what they did over the summer, because that seemed like a really easy getting to know each other type activity. So I had all my kids do that. Then we got, you know, they sat on the carpet. I sat in the chair. I had them come up one-on-one to share to the, to the class, you know, what they did over the summer. The majority of the kids, you know, it was like they went to the pool. They had, you know, cookouts or whatever with their family. You know, they hung out. They had sleepovers. This one little boy comes up and is sharing with the class. And I cannot understand a word that is coming out of his mouth. And so I try to, you know, ask him multiple times to kind of repeat himself. And I'm thinking at some point I'm going to understand what the fuck he's saying. (laughs) I never understand what this poor child is saying. And then I think to myself, how many times am I going to ask this child to repeat himself? You know, like he's going to start to think really shitty things about himself. I can't, I'm just going to pretend. Okay. That sounds like fun, you know, because I'm like all these other children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So all these other children are talking about like all these amazing things that are actually fun. So I say to this child, that sounds like fun. This little girl sits on who's sitting on the carpet calls me out and says, Miss Peters, he just said his brother got eaten by a shark, and you said that sounds like fun. <laughs> and I was mortified. Yeah. His brother, I'm sure, did not actually get eaten by a shark living in Gainesville, Florida, but I kind of looked like the asshole teacher. <laughs> no doubt. Like, you're just dismissive. You're just like, well, yeah, yeah it sounds like, like fun. That sounds like fun. Next, Thanks for sharing. Sit style. down. And was that a kindergarten class? First grade, yeah. First grade. Okay, yeah. And what was up with the speech? Is it just an accent thing or was it like an ELL thing where he's speaking like creole or hispanic or something like that no it was just he had he had like a speech impediment got you and you didn't look at the picture what (laughs) you didn't look at the picture i don't even remember what the picture it didn't look like a brother was getting eaten by a shark that's for sure you know i mean first grade they're not drawing like really intricate things like the pictures of me it's not like they looked they did they were not like you know spitting images of of me (laughs) i had like crazy hair sticking up and you know yeah that's how they say your personality comes out right like when kids draw you that young they don't draw the physical you they draw the personable you right dude when was the last time you taught or when was the last time you were in a classroom I shouldn't say 2013. 2013. And yeah. what got you out of there? School closures. Oh, so in there Chicago? were school closures in Chicago. Dude, mm-hmm. I remember reading about that. It freaked me yep. the fuck out because I I think I was teaching for like five years at that point. And I was like, holy shit, that happens? Like, yeah. they're just like, hey, man, you're because it was like you people in Chicago can't fucking teach. We're closing all the schools, taking it over, reapply for your job. <laughs> Wasn't that it? Or That's basically what it was. It was, um, there was a teacher strike to negotiate salaries. Right. And I, even though I had taught for seven years, it was my first year in Chicago. So I didn't have 10 years. So I had no protection. Mm. And I, so I lost my job. And then when I reapplied at that point, I had seven years teaching, teaching experience and I had a master's degree. So I was too, too expensive to money. hire back. Yeah, man. That's, that's something where, especially with this COVID thing and some businesses going down and tax revenue going towards schools. Right. Like in Delaware, 33%, well, 100% of the school is funded by taxes, but 33% is local, 66% is state. So the state can get income from like corporations. Everybody incorporates in Delaware. That's where Delaware gets most of its money. But if you're in a district and all of a sudden people aren't paying their property taxes, man, like your teacher salaries are fucked. Or when they're hiring people, you can forget 
I'm $25,000 more a year than fresh out of college kid. Right. And that's like some real decisions that, that sucks to have to go through that. God. It did. But at the same time, that led me in the direction of being an entrepreneur. So I wouldn't be where I am now had it not happened. I don't think that I willingly would have left the classroom unless I got so unhappy that I decided to leave. But now I'm like, thank God, my life is so much better. I was not happy in the classroom, ultimately. What, dude, when I think of Chicago, I think of Shameless because, again, I watch way too much TV. And I think <laughs> of shootings because I watch way too much TV. Uh-huh. And I'm curious about what your teaching experience was. Oh, wait, but you weren't, you taught in Chicago in 2013, even though that mm-hmm. story was in Gainesville. What was teaching in Chicago like? It was like teaching anywhere else to be quite honest I mean the kids kids are kind of kids and like I mean I had some kids who came from homeless shelters um but I also had I mean it was definitely like a higher poverty school but kids are super sweet parents are actually very supportive I mean you get some parents that are super supportive you get some that aren't you get some kids that are you know really into school you get some kids that are it's just it's kind of the same no matter where you teach that's funny. Just like the running tribes, man. Like it, it's yeah. kid, kids are kids, man. Like it's, it's yep. people shouldn't complicate and they're so sweet. And I think you're right. When you get into teaching for the right reasons, you, you don't want to leave a classroom because you just feel fulfilled trying to fill others, trying to right. better others. You know, it's an right. awesome thing. Did you save, do you have any like teacher swag that you saved any pictures of you or any things that kids drew? stuff like that or when you went nomadic I you were just like definitely nope. I don't know that I have the actual pictures I know that I took pictures yeah. of uh, yeah I definitely took some pictures I think well I think I probably posted them on Facebook so then periodically in the Facebook memories oh, I'll be reminded and like some of my teaching stories will come up in my memories I'm like oh yeah that's a good one right. so I'll keep resharing them out so that I remember what it was like to be a teacher gotcha. yeah that is sweet yeah. especially that young man like you elementary teachers you're a different breed, man. You're like, talk about emotional versus logical. Like you yeah. y'all are all emotion. You're all yeah. little bears down there. Like it's, yeah. it's, um, it's really hard. The, 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 what you get tasked to do to make 20 kids comply in unison to learn from all sorts of environments. It's fucking, it's, it's amazing that you actually, a lot. that the kids get home alive, to be honest with you. <laughs> Right. Like if you really think of it, you got six, 700 kids running around in a whole building. You're like, shit, man, they all made it on a bus. How do we do that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a true. Skill. All right. And, um, dude, we didn't even get into, geez. Yeah. We didn't get into anything. What did we do for two hours? We didn't get into anything. Um, do some, we had an amazing conversation is what happens. Right. Um, do some, we'll end it that no one will get to listen to, but we'll end the pod with some plugs and I can put some plugs in the description because you did mention you're an author. I'm an author. Yes. Yeah. So do some plugs, man. Shamelessly plug. All right. So you can get my book Radical Rebirth on Amazon. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at and the nomad or on my website and livingstoncoaching.com. That sounded practiced. Well done. <laughs> I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, it was um, man, it was just it was just a fun chat. It's funny that we did seem to get like gossipy, giggly with it, but I enjoyed it. it it's part of. I did too. It, it's funny, man, and it, it's just I don't know an aside, but sometimes talking to people, and I'm in by no way like legit for real podcast guy, but I've spoken to enough people now where 
I've been sold before. Like people will be like, Hey, I'm an author. Hey, I'm this. And I always am reluctant to get people like that on because I feel like you're just getting pitched. Right. And that happened to me a couple of times. And honestly, like it kind of fucking sucked. I was like, Jesus, man. Like, all right. Yeah. Oh, oh cool. This is the time when you tell this story about this book and you connect it in this way. And right. this is your propaganda. Right. And it was just really nice that you were not like that and well, not just you. trying to like steer even though I think you shamelessly plugged yourself twice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, it was, I was like, in my book, I mentioned this. Exactly. In my book, I mentioned this. <laughs> and I've had some dudes who make film and they mock themselves while they do it, which I love. Um, but yeah, it was nice to just, you have stuff that you want to get out there. But for you, it was more important. I think this goes to your coaching aspect is like, you can kind of get to know me right? You get yeah. to know me. You don't have to get to know my product. You can find, if you like me, you'll find my product. Exactly. That's the thing. Me. That's how I feel. I'm like, if people connect with me, then they'll want to read the book. They'll yeah. want to know, they'll want to know about my nomadic life. And yeah, then they'll right? buy book two, which isn't done yet. And book three, which isn't done yet. And you know, but if they, they got to hear about want to be we snatcher first. Be snatcher. Can I, you gotta give me, if you use that can i just get either a copy or a shout out that's it that's that's, all, that's absolutely absolutely <laughs> that was i don't even know how that came but that just fucking it just seems was he a backward hat wearer tell me he was like wore his hat backwards too while he played i think he did i think he did yeah all of us do i'm wearing my hat backwards we're all fucking punks god <laughs> <laughs> fucking punks <laughs> alright Ed Ed it's so enjoyable giggling the night away with you appreciate you coming on appreciate you letting get, letting people get to know you um, appreciate you letting me get off this pod before I got my fourth beer in which would have been terrible <laughs> you know I'm just I'm just looking out for you Sean <laughs> <laughs> alright man dude such a good time I appreciate it enjoy the rest yeah. of your night you too I'll talk uh, to you later yep bye bye Thanks to Andy for coming on the pod and gossiping, spilling all the dirty secrets and putting their old laundry out there about her exes. Jokes, 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 people. We're going to call this a healing session where truths were exposed in order for the light to come. No, 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 no. We're going to call it what it was. Just a good old fashioned shit talking session. And it was fun. And I don't think it was too mean to be honest with you. Um, and I'm looking forward to having Anne hopefully back on to actually hear about the road trip, this nomadic lifestyle that she um, went about, her journey towards enlightenment to get away from those knuckleheads. Two lessons, kids. Number one, get to know more about Annie by clicking on any of her links in the description. And number two, free dating apps. Free for a reason. Free for a reason. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you have not already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the word of the pod. It's really a phrase. The word of the pod, which will be a phrase. Wounded masculine energy. Wounded masculine energy. It's my typical state of energy that I find myself in more often than I'd like. <laughs> Is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours to get a shout out on our very next pod. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review 
the Getting to Know You Pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. You can also go to our Patreon to support the pod for as little as $2 a month. If you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests and want to support us with some cash money for all their work, time, effort, and hours. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You Pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business, so all you need to do is message us through any of the aforementioned social media platforms. God, I love sounding pretentious. Later, Gator.